listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Honeymoon. <laughs> My name is Tom Chick, and to discuss Honeymoon with you, I have brought along Christian Malinsky. Uh, y'all can just uh, refer to me as Honeybee. <laughs> and with a Honeymoon tagline, Kelly Wand. Canadian girls are kinky. Mm. Okay, what? Canadian. Okay. Well, we'll explore that later. But oh, first. Okay. <laughs> I might have been wrong on that. First, uh, we have a feature. Uh, Kelly Wan, do you have for the feature of this week, the IMDb plot synopsis uh, reading? Do you have one for us? You give us the IMDb plot synopsis. Me and Dingus, guess what the movie is. All right. A listener sent in this one. Okay. Moss and Hosaka are two large corporations in the future world. They are fighting to get control over the best minds of the world. The best is Hiroshi, and at the moment he is working for the Moss Corporation. Fox has accepted an offer to persuade Hiroshi to go over to the Hosaka Corporation. Sandi is a little Italian girl from Japan, and she should be the way to get to Hiroshi. X is the man who should train Sandi to break Hiroshi's heart. But if X falls in love with Sandi, and if the Hosaka Corporation breaks the agreement, and if Sandi is not a little Italian girl? I think the IMDb synopsis died in, in, uh, in the middle. In utero? No. Oh, it just ends with the thing about... Okay, yeah, I don't, I don't watch anime, so I'm not sure what that is. No, I think it's Bollywood. It's called the New Rose Hotel, I think. Oh, hey, well, yeah, no, it's based on a um, it's based on a, a William Gibson short story, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, Abel Ferrara did an adaptation of it, and it's uh, it, it makes no sense. It's terrible, but it's definitely from uh, the the f- cyberpunk stuff that William Gibson wrote. Gibson kind of writes live action anime, doesn't he? Mm, no, I mean it, Gibson. I've only read I imagine he's probably influenced by anime, but Gibson is very much his own Western kind of thing, at least what I've read. Uh, New Rose Hotel was a, a short story, which is actually fantastic, and I think uh, owes a lot to Raymond Chandler. Uh, actually, Gibson in general owes a lot to Raymond Chandler, but uh, you can especially see that in the short story New Rose Hotel. Uh, I don't know what Abel Ferraro is doing with the movie, and I think it is him. Um, but and you can definitely. kind of tell from the synopsis... <laughs> What the hell? What the hell is this that's going on? That's clearly Abel Ferrara from the synopsis. Uh, that's clearly some somebody's confused expression of what is otherwise a very, if I'm not mistaken, the the short story is very much about a, a broken romance and all the stuff about corporate espionage and cyberspace and stuff. They're just kind of trappings around this guy's broken heart. Um, and I think it's pretty short. But Abel Ferrara is like, hey, let's make some crazy convoluted sci-fi movie. Uh, and, and I didn't understand the end of his body snatchers either because they get the helicopter and they fly out. And they, then the kid shows emotion and looks angry, so they throw him out even though he's a pod. And then um, it cuts to a voiceover saying you can't hide anywhere if you land your helicopter. So I don't know if they got away or not. Can you now? Can, what about the end of uh, Bad Lieutenant? Do you understand that? Uh, I saw the remake. <laughs> Do you mean uh, New Orleans Port of Call? When he gets promoted? Yeah, it's a <laughs> sequel, though, right? 
Wait, he made both of them? No, <laughs> no. One of them's Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog decided, ah, this uh, Abel Ferrara fella, he's done a decent really job establishing the bad lieutenant universe. Now I'm going to do mine. Uh, Nicholas Cage, get over here. Wait, isn't it Nicholas Cage? In the New Orleans bad lieutenant too? Yeah. 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 I thought it was Colin Farrell. All right, so that that was a New Rose Hotel, right, Kelly Wand? Yeah, right. you didn't you didn't really guess it though, but you're correct. Yeah, uh, and that was sent in from a listener. So Kelly Wand, once again, are you are you encouraging listener submissions? No. Okay. Um, so I won this round, right? <laughs> Dingus knew less about the movie than I did, so do I win? That's the that's the contest retroactively that you have to you get to know more about it. <laughs> well, Dingus, we don't know what he thought of it. We didn't know whether he knew or not. He was maybe just keeping mum. That's true. I did kind of barge ahead. Dingus, did you know that that was New Rose Hotel? Did Tom win the contest just now? I thought it was X versus Sever. Oh, man. There's a movie. Kelly Wan, do you know X versus Sever? I remember that she kills a bunch of people, and then Antonio Banderas goes, look, she's a mother, okay? so Who's the she, though? Lucy Liu, your favorite. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. She's never good. I don't know why you like her. What are you talking about? Oh, my God. She's getting payback. She's getting payback. What? Payback. She's good in Cypher. She's good in uh, X versus Sever. She's amazing in the Charlie's Angels movies. She's great in Kill Bill. Kelly Wanda. Yeah, she's good in Kill Bill. Of course she is. Um, Yeah, and... and there's a lot of awesome slow motion scenes of her shooting guns in X versus Sever. I mean, what more do you want in a movie? Jeez. That's all it has, or that's all it needs. There's also scenes of Antonio Banderas in the rain looking really sad. So, <laughs> like Banderas in rain. Whenever a movie title has the versus in it, neither of them win. There's ne- they always team up or something, or it's Freddy versus Jason. That's a good point. I don't remember who X versus who wins in X versus. Sever. In fact, I don't right. even remember which one of them is X and which is Sever. I think he would be which one X because he's the guy. What? That's a guy's name. No, uh, dude can be called Sever. That was my nickname in high school. No, you wouldn't. If you're a guy, you don't want things. You don't want the implication that you're getting some something's cut off of you. you know what I'm saying. Uh, fair enough. All right. Uh, okay, let's talk about what movie we saw this week. Uh, yeah. Speaking of things getting cut off of you. Uh, I don't know. Oh yeah. Wait, I was going to tell you something for a second. Oh yes. What else do you got, Kelly? One. Some movie news I read. I thought you'd want to know. Good movie news. Yes, movie news. This week, what is this week's movie news, Kelly Wand? Um, okay, after Guardians of the Galaxy, it made a bazillion dollars. DC this broke three hundred million or broke three hundred million recently. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so DC Comics, their rivals, because that's the Marvel movie. They said, "Yeah, our movies aren't going to have fucking jokes in them." Okay, so like the Superman versus Batman thing is going to be serious. So they just want to. Rem- Keep fans. I think what they're doing is they're playing to the comedic timing of Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck. Mm, good idea. Yeah. It's basically, you know, knowing what you've got to work with. Using I didn't know they could do jokes. Now they're saying... What's uh, the funniest thing, the funniest sequence involving Ben Affleck? Can you guys think of, like, a, a great comedic Ben Affleck moment? I like him in Surviving Christmas. He gets hit with a shovel. I like that a lot. I can think of so. There's some stuff like that in uh, Reindeer Games. Yeah, Reindeer Games. Dude. Yeah, I like it when he gets hit in the head. But it's not him being funny. It's funny things happening to him. Oh, here's the funny. Oh, I got the best funny Ben That's Affleck. True. But he always looks like he just got hit in the head. Right, and this is it. This is a, an instance of that. That Ben Affleck himself can't be funny, but it can be funny when things happen to him. And my favorite example is probably in Joe Carnahan's Smoking Aces. 
Chris Pine plays a skinhead Nazi who just out of the blue kills him. Like you think, hey, Ben Affleck is in this movie, and then something like twenty minutes in, Chris Pine comes in with a shaved head and kills him, and you're like, oh, I guess Ben Affleck isn't in this movie. That's before he won an Oscar, or no, it was after he won the writing Oscar, but before the directing. Yeah. My Wait, favorite how does is- he kill him with a gun? Uh, it might be something like a shovel. I think he just like beats him up and then shovel smashes kill. his head in, something like that. What's like your favorite dingus? The shovel kill. Um, my favorite. Uh- where he's trying to be funny and he almost he almost pulls it off and sometimes he does but I haven't seen this movie in a while is from Goodwill Hunting when um, he goes into a job interview impersonating Will uh, at the job interview and he's like <laughs> dressed like a nerd and and he's trying to get like more money out of them and he does this whole thing where he's like you you're suspect yeah you I don't know what your reputation is but you're suspect and then he like asks for some money from them just for just for showing up at the interview, he wants them to pony up cash. It's this weird, awkward. He's trying to protect his friend and uh, and get him to try harder and stuff like that. But it's him try actually. He's, yeah, he's actually doing like a comedic thing, and I really like. I actually kind of liked that. I think it's charming. Well, unfortunately, we won't be seeing any of that in the new DC movies, Dingus, because they're not going to be. Because Batman really is. He's he's quite the wisecracker. Batman's always saying funny lines, so it's a shame. Well, Dark Knight Rises. To do that. I believe that movie. I believe that word is pronounced wiseacre. Yeah, that Batman's a wiseacre. Um, <laughs> That's the superpower. He had to. He an idiot couldn't have made the Batmobile. Or <laughs> he's just. He's got just got all of his jokes in his belt. He's a millionaire inventor. That <laughs> might. That <laughs> might be why they've brought in like a Wonder Woman. Like they need some sort of somebody who's he, like anybody either. Not, well, no, who's not quite so serious as Superman. They don't have anybody funny. Oh my God, we're sitting here talking about Superman and Batman. Think <laughs> us out of this and tell the listeners what movie we saw this week. There's a news item about the Superman. Care. Please, I could not care less about this. But Zack Snyder. I wanted you to know that no jokes are forthcoming, and that's an important news item. I couldn't care less. Are there going to be jokes in the new Star Wars movies, Kelly Wand? No. You know yeah, that's sort of the wrong answer. The wrong answer? I don't care. Their armor's going to be dark. They're going for a darker... I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. They've repainted the Millennium Falcon black. Good. Fine. Darker Whatever. Film. I hope people are upset and talk about it a lot on the internet. Dingus, what movie did we see this As week? As opposed to what we're doing. All right, this week we saw the Wonder <laughs> Twins movie, The Gleek Chronicles. Oh, God. Oh, what is a freaking Gleek? I don't even know what you, people are saying now. <laughs> oh, sorry. This week we saw Honeymoon, ah, a 2014 American horror movie about two people pretending to like each other. It was directed by Leah Janiak and written by her with Phil Graziade. It stars Rose Leslie and Harry Treadaway. Honeymoon is rated R for disturbing bloody images, sexual content, and language. I want to apologize to Harry Treadaway because I think last week at the end of the podcast, um, I was talking about reasons to see this movie. Uh, I mentioned Rose Leslie, who we all know from Game of Thrones, uh, and then I mentioned that Luke Treadaway from Fish Tank is in it. Uh, Harry Treadaway, the actor in Honeymoon, was indeed in Fish Tank, but his name is not Luke Treadway, which is what I think I said. Um, so I was thinking, why did I think Luke Treadway? Why did I? So I looked it up. There is an actor named Luke Treadway. Oh. Furthermore, it's Harry Treadway's freaking twin. They're not even brothers. How dare They're they? They're twins, and they both work a fair amount. Um, Harry they both Treadway- have the same last name, or they, one of them has the A? 
Uh, they both are named Treadaway. It's not Treadway. I don't know if it's a silent A. Maybe the way – like in English, you know, when you say things like uh, Hillsboro or Hampshire or – you know, they'll just go Hampshire or Hillsborough. So it's not E-I-G-A. Or you say folk. They'll do all kinds of weird things in, in, with those English. I just have to distinguish them as twins, one as an extra vowel. I totally forgot that you said that he was in Fish Tank until I, you know, until I saw him, and then I, I remembered. Is that the kid? Uh, and and when I looked him look him up after seeing the movie, I realized he was Billy in that. I just totally forgot that. Well, he's he's in Fish Tank. He's in a, a series that's running right now, which I've actually been curious to see, uh, called Penny Dreadful. Um, he's, oh, yeah, I want to see that too. I saw a really weird movie where he plays a bird watcher um, called Pelican Blood, which is kind of like this dark romantic comedy thing. It actually wasn't very good, but I, I'd definitely seen him before, and I've seen his brother and stuff before. Hmm. And they, they, you know, as you can imagine with twins, they're not identical twins, but uh, they look very much alike. So, at any rate, I would like to apologize last week for uh, saying that Luke Treadway. It's not even his name, was in Honeymoon. We instead get Harry Treadaway. But Luke's the one in Fish Tank? No, no, Harry no, Treadaway no. is in Fish Tank. Okay. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't even remember him in, uh, in Control, which is a movie I've right. uh, yes, championed right. here. Because yeah. um, I mainly remember Sam Riley and Samantha Morton in that. But he's got a pretty good part in Control, and I didn't remember that until I went and looked up his name. Right. I suspect I could be wrong, but I suspect, um, and I don't mean any offense to anyone, but I suspect that uh, Harry is the better actor uh, amongst the brothers. I don't, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Who's your favorite Hemsworth? Uh, neither. Mm. Who's your favorite Winklevoss? Ah, trick question. Uh, Army Hammer. Mm. Who's Say, the guy we talked about a few weeks ago who who <laughs> dropped out of a movie and his brother took his place and? That was oh, so, ben, ben Foster's little brother ah, in a terrible movie called Stay Alive about a killer video game. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it, John Foster. It turns out John Foster was the kid in um, Door in the Floor. Right, exactly. So I felt bad for saying that, yeah, this kid's terrible and he's got no future and his, he just filled in for his brother. He got and all yeah, the talent and yeah. Right, and then he's good in Door in the Floor. Didn't you tell me Stay Alive gave you nightmares about roses, Tom? I've never said any such thing. <laughs> All right. That's right up there with, uh, yeah. Kelly, Kelly Wan, that, that right there is up there with this. You know the Flash can speed talk, Paul? I mean. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, honeymoon on Metacritic uh, is at 68. That is the average rating from various wow. reviews. On, rot- <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes, the percentage of reviews that are positive for Honeymoon, 78%. Hmm. Um, Set nine off. It's not the kind of movie that makes money, so its box office is negligible. It's also available for video on demand. This isn't that kind of movie. Um, Kelly Wand, what I would now like you to do, if you haven't seen Honeymoon, by the way, I would say this. uh, I don't do this very often. Honeymoon benefits enormously from not knowing anything about it. Um, Yeah. Whether you like it or dislike it, I think the experience of, of enjoying it as it's meant to be enjoyed is best done by knowing nothing about it. So, if you uh, have any interest in the kinds of movies that maybe I like, and I'm being deliberately vague, I would recommend not listening to this podcast at this point, switching it off, and going and checking out Honeymoon, and then coming back, because Kelly Wan's synopsis is going to give away a lot of stuff. Uh, if, <laughs> if, if you're worried about it, it's just some light, dippy, romantic comedy, trust me, I wouldn't be sending you in that direction. So, that said... Kelly Wand, why don't you now spoil Honeymoon 
for the listeners who are presumably back after having seen it, uh, who just don't care about seeing it, by giving them a honey mwapsis. Oh, you put an eye in there at the end? And kind of. A little extra vowel never hurts. That's what Harry Treadaway says. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. All right. Uh, honey mwapsis? Is that okay? Sure, yeah, it works for me. Sounds like the reality show, but yes. There's one called Honey Moopsis? Oh, Honey Boo Boo Sis. Is that what you're talking about? Sure. In accordance with U.S. Vehicle Code, cans clattering against the freeway from a bumper notify nearby motorists that the driver of the vehicle and his passenger don't intend to fuck anybody else for an interval of time, or that the occupants are into recycling. Igrits all. So we spent our entire first date on the restroom floor of an Indian restaurant proposing... That's how I knew he was the one. I knew she was the one because she was named after my second favorite letter and my eighth favorite insect. I was named after President Reagan, I think. Anyways, these wedding rings... Oh, wait, this is still him. Sorry. (laughs) No, that's fine. (laughs) That's my girl voice. And so is that. Anyways, these wedding rings represent our fuck you Indian food from our organs of love, the small intestines. Now we're going to Canada for our honeymoon. I heard it's a cool country to fuck in, or a cold one. One of those. Plus, I want a place that has surfing. Go beavers! Ooh, look, the cabin I grew up in. When I was five, I always imagined how great it would be to have sex in my dad's bed while his ghost rolled his eyes. Hey, why do you call this the duck room? Uh, that's a bear skin. Bull. <laughs> Hey, look what's inside its butt. Some poo. (laughs) Along with a fortune cookie with this written inside. Hi, my name is Hideous T. Mallard. I hope someday my husband reads this. And then we have sex. Sign me as a little girl. P.S. The river god said I have biteable thighs. Maybe if we shut the blinds, their stupid lights won't keep me awake. Oh, Gary, that's a live bear. We know nothing. The next morning. Hey, why do you call this the rope room? Looks like somebody wants to be tied and chafing. Gary, ew, what the fuck is wrong with you? That's disgusting. Uh, I just thought after last night. Ew, last night, Gary, nothing happened last night. Stop making me feel uncomfortable. I don't like you like that. Wait, you were naked in the woods covered in frog jism and your nightgown was in tatters. I'm still horny just thinking about it. What's a little rope? Gary, can't we not fight? This isn't about Advil. Jesus, babe, you're saying a lot of weird, creepy shit. Is your womb rusted? Hey, that's not how you French kiss. Look, this is an egg. Speaking of wombs, tell me about it. Huh? You can say that again. Uh, okay. Tell me about it. Hmm. Maybe we'll take it easy today and only do stuff where a chick losing her grip can't possibly do herself harm. Let's go out in a boat. Later. (laughs) Hey, why do they call this the Frog Lake? Actually, never mind that. Check out this frog I've been holding. (laughs) Err, you know nothing, Jon Snow. (laughs) (laughs) Take me out into the woods and bite off my nightgown. Gary... I hate you. (laughs) Can't we just agree on that? Jesus, we are a disaster. Starting to see now what people mean by honeymoon period. Last one ends a rotten tell-me-about-it. Splash. 
Yeah, that's great, honey. I think I'm just going to head back to shore. <laughs> At night. Hmm, wasn't that a great meal at the restaurant, sweetie? Best one we've had since Indian food. Uh, well, A, we didn't eat anything. B, the only guy there turned out to be your ex-boyfriend. C, broke a lamp. <laughs> D, his girlfriend kept saying glory be to Canadian frog aliens, Terran monkey fool. <laughs> I could go all the way to M. <laughs> the dumb guy's not so dumb, is it? Aw, Stuart's just shy. God, his dick's big. I shouldn't miss it. Wasn't that a great meal at the restaurant, sweetie? Uh, okay, fair point. But why'd you jump in the water like that? It was cold. That's not funny. Unlike my frog fucking shtick. That's hilarious. <laughs> You're the creepy one. <laughs> also, how come you call this the dice room? Hey, what are you scribbling in this notepad? Dear notepad, my name is Igret. Tell me about it. I'll say. Tell me about it. I'll say. Honey, what the fuck is this? Holy shit, you're bleeding from the crotch. <laughs> Sweetie, don't be such an I'll say. This blood is nothing. It's just my honeymoon period. Destroy all male mammals, insector reticuli, ovulation, and progress. Ugh, great. Now there's a frog flipper coming out of your vagina. That's it. I'm suing that Indian place and on a doctor. Just as soon as I go back to your ex-boyfriend's restaurant. You seem like a medical experience and might know a good marriage counselor. <laughs> uh, so dumb. I mean, stay here and don't throw these car keys in the lake. <laughs> Why didn't he take him? He goes back to the building that says restaurant on it, raises his phone up so he can't see the screen side, and tells the camera, Damn, I want to call anyone I know or the cops, but I can't get a signal. I lean over to the shaft of green light shining on my frog's pillowcase and go, I was wondering about that. <laughs> the dude's all, Hey, lady, I found your boyfriend's bloody baseball cap here in the water, just FYI. Uh, speaking of which, my wife's given birth to frogs, I think. Do you have any security cam footage I could check out? <laughs> She's all, tell me about it. He rolls his eyes and goes into the restaurant house. This makes night instantly fall, so he's in pitch darkness. Luckily, the computer works perfectly. He types, look at incriminating security cam footage. I don't know the password. Enter. He watches some shaky cam footage of Static. The music's all, this is a horror movie. <laughs> Eventually, he gets up and chooses not to look through the window, which is his only light source. He goes back to the honeymoon suite, ties up his wife, and goes, oh, that's weird. You're insane now, but your thighs taste the same. Hang on, I thought I heard a shaft of light. Oh, uh, no, never mind. It was just my imagination. Hey, why you hold my cell phone like a... Cl <gasps> He wakes up in a boat in the middle of the lake the next day to find her tying him to an anchor. He's all, oh, thank God you're back to normal. The sacred ovaries of the stepdaughters of In's mouth will devour the scrotum of the universe. Hey, how come they call this the drowned husband lake? Do not worry, I will hide you. Uh, I'm not sure this qualifies as hiding. Uh, also, how come you forgot how to make French toast, but you're not tying at an all-time... Uh. <laughs> 
That night, while having forest sex with the frog alien Sunlamp, he grits all. I predict Tom considers me a metaphor for drones and thinks I played Caitlin. <laughs> the lights all, yes. A newspaper's all. Reproductive cycle of Canadian polywog population declared savior of the city in newspaper headline. The end. Thank you, Kelly Wand. Eh. Uh, all right, so um, who went in having seen the genre on this, knowing it was a horror movie? Not me. Oh. I went in like just he said. Dingus, did you know it was a horror movie? I did not. But okay. you made a big point of saying, you, you said last week, I felt like, don't look at it, like, don't even, don't see anything. I do that a lot, but yeah, so. Because uh, I already looked and wished you hadn't. Right. I, I actually knew about this because I got press releases about it. Um and I, I mainly recognized Rose Leslie and uh, Harry Treadaway's name, and so I sort of glanced at like the director. I, I unfortunately knew a little bit more than I would have liked to going in. Um, all right, so uh, who wants to go first? I just feel like the opposite is me going first. Okay, so fair enough. Uh, Dingus, uh, you're the unknown quantity here. Um, what did you think of Honeymoon? Uh, I, first of all, I think it telegraphs pretty early on that that's what that's what genre it is. But uh, but we can talk about that later. Uh, I really hated it. Mm-hmm. I I just I mean I think it uh, comes out in the wrong year. I think that another movie kind of scoops it. Um, uh, I think which that, one? Sightseers. No, I think it. I think Under the Skin completely. Oh, well, I think. It's, I think. <laughs> I think that when you, if you're these film, I think if you're these filmmakers, if you're, uh, I know, and I, I tried to find how to say your name. It's Lee or Leah Janiak, um, who uh, this is her first movie that she's directed. She's worked as a, uh, basically as as a, a, a production assistant. That's the wrong word for it, but like an assistant producer on a few different movies. It's the first time she's written something, and she basically decided to do it after watching Monsters and another like low budget movie, and thinking, "Well, I could do that." Um, I think if you're the person doing this movie, and Under the Skin comes out earlier in the movie, earlier in the year, when your movie's going to come out, you just sort of go, "Oh crap," um, because they think Under the Skin is so brilliant, and I think this movie's trying to do some of those things. So that's so that's what I meant. Uh, but uh, but I really. I really disliked this. I thought that the chemistry was horrible between the leads, and and I got no sense. And I know these I know these two actors can act. I got no sense that they could in this. So I I was really pretty disappointed with this movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, Kelly Wan. So you did your synopsis. Uh, in your synopsis, a lot of times it might come across that you're dismissive of a movie, but you're just having fun. Um, what did you think of this uh, overall? I really liked it. I don't think. It's fair because, I mean, they don't really plan when they come out. Like, neither of those movies were made for profit, so they both came out, like, not that far apart. So it seems like they would just go, well, it's the same themes. I don't know. Like, I think blockbusters probably – I can see where they operate along that strategy, but with movies like Under the Skin and Honeymoon, I don't know. It just seems like there's room in my heart for both if you like like them both. I I, I would tell you, Kelly, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair thing, a fair criticism of what I just said, and I think that what I said is kind of unfair to Honeymoon oh, yeah. to hold it up against a movie that is clearly, to me, a brilliant movie. It's, that's unfair of me, but it's it's hard to watch this without thinking about 
the ways that uh, that under the skin hit me so hard uh, and and kind of I, I feel bad about that. So I think that what you just said is fair. Well, I like under the skin more, but I didn't think honeymoon was bad. I thought it was really well acted. I still didn't. I was sort of slow to think it was a honeymoon. Like the dialogue was really. I don't know. It, it, the seeds are planted. Like she has a good memory, and suddenly she doesn't. Uh, there's a little bit of misdirection at the beginning where you're not sure if he's the weird one or she's the weird one, or neither of them are, and it's just the place. Like I, it took me a while to realize I was watching a horror movie, and I thought it was. Um, I thought it was good. <laughs> Am I dumb? No, I'm glad that you. I'm really glad to hear that you said that. Really glad. Now I can't wait to hear what Thomas is saying. Uh, well, I I tend to love movies like this. That I, I watch so many terrible low budget horror movies that when I find a low budget horror movie that I don't hate, uh, I might overcompensate a little bit. And when I find a low budget horror movie I don't hate that I think makes a really interesting point about subject matter. Um, that's that's uh, Kelly Wan. You called it correctly. That's actually a metaphor for something else. Uh, I like it even more. So I loved this thing. Uh, with the caveat that, uh, Dingus, I understand your complaints about the lack of chemistry between the two of them. The early parts are insufferably twee, uh, when they're- But aren't they supposed to be, maybe? Well, I, I don't know if they're supposed to be. I, I think, I think the movie would be more effective if you actually got the sense that these were two really in love. And yeah, and not two actors playing at being in love. Um, I, I don't think they were supposed to be twee. They just when she's showing him around the house, and it just feels so scripted and canned. And I'm not. But the lines. It just seemed it was so generic on purpose. I thought maybe. Um, okay, I mean you could you could be charitable and say that. I just thought that it didn't work nearly as well. Now that said, when the movie got down to the business of what it was trying to do, and we'll talk about that in a second, I, I, I think they were both fantastic. Uh, I really liked both of the actors a lot. Yeah. Um, and. I think, Dingus, it's not unfair to say, um, like, you know, when – it's not unfair to compare it to Under the Skin, I think. But I think what is a little unfair to Honeymoon is to assume too much similarity between them in terms of the points the movies are making. I mean, both movies are about a woman who becomes kind of a vessel for luring men. And, and in that regard, absolutely very similar. And, and that, that might be all you need to sort of think, well, these movies are both doing that. This one did it so well. I kind of don't have a lot of patience for this movie trying to do it. But what sets uh, Honeymoon apart for me and why I really liked it, um, in, in Jonathan Glazer's Under the Skin, this idea of a woman hunting men, I think has more to do with kind of the, the inscrutability of, of female sexuality to men. It's almost like a, um, not a Battle of the Sexes movie, but a, um, it's like a mystery. Like, how can men possibly understand sexuality, uh, the sexuality of a woman? You know, what drives a woman? What, what makes a woman a human being? It's impossible for men to understand that. So we're kind of in their thrall. And it's like an experience with an alien creature. Uh, there's kind of something about sexual politics, I think, going on in a way in Under the Skin. Um, and that's why part of it plays out like gonzo porno movies when she's cruising around Scotland picking up dudes. I think with that I, that device of a woman as a lure to capture a man, what they do in Honeymoon and what I admire about it is it's a movie 
about two people's relationships and about the loss of identity that comes from marriage. You know, she's not just a decoy hunting men. She is the wife of a man who she is going to destroy, you know, and, 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 and it's, it's about these two very specific characters in a very specific relationship, a marriage. And in a way, it's about the same kind of anxiety that people feel about marriage that you see in Rosemary's Baby that people feel about child's birth. Or, for instance, in, in Straw Dogs that you see about a man being jealous of, of his wife getting, getting attention from other men. Um, I think it's that kind of anxiety horror movie, very specifically focused on the loss of identity that you feel and that maybe you're supposed to feel when you get married. And that, for me, sets it completely apart from Under the Skin. Um, so, so that's where I think you're being a little unfair, is that it has a very different point it wants to make. It wants to tell you a very different kind of story, even though it has some very similar trappings to Under the Skin. Well, you know, I would I would totally agree with you that that that's the point. I mean that, and I and I and having sort of been there, I, I understand that, and I really that is the one thing that draws me to the movie. When 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 uh, when Rose Leslie is playing those parts of trying to remember who she is, and and doing and and that is so poignant, or and I think it would be more poignant if if I. For me, they hadn't scuttled it early on with some of those other parts you're talking about, which, which frankly feels like when Harry met Sally trying to be a horror movie. Um, but that, that stuff about, I, of losing your identity and, and, and the fear of that, I think very much is, is in this movie. And, and in that way, I would totally agree with you. I, I now, you know, on, on another note, I, I really love the way you use the word lure when you were talking about under the skin because for for me and i didn't think about this before um it calls to mind the use of worms in and bait as bait in in this movie oh this uh, movie's Honeymoon. full of that it's it's yeah. it, there's bait there's the bear skin there's the whole bit with the hollow duck decoy yeah. um there's the 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 moth to the light him uh, snaring the frog there's a part where the, you, you're seeing all these fish hooks and lures on the wall there's an inset nature shot of one of those camouflage beetles yeah. Um, you know, the motif of bait and decoys and hunting is throughout this. And I, I think for the most part, um, I, I mean, it might be heavy handed if you already know that that's what it's about. But you say early on, you know, it's a horror film. I think early on, too, in that same way that if you're watching a movie and you're paying attention to, you know, what book the character is reading or what lecture the student is hearing, if you were looking at some of the shots, the movie tips its hand super early about what's going to happen and what kind of things it's leaning towards. You know, when she's reading the thing from the hollow duck, where she wants the other ducks not to trust the hollow duck, you know, that's the, that's going to be the part inside of her that's conflicted right. with herself at the end of the movie. It's a little spot on. And, but you say a little spot on, but I actually thought it was pretty well crafted. I mean, I, I don't I think being I, a little spot on is necessarily a negative. No, but the, the time, the first time when I really felt that was at the end when he's like, it's weird, you taste the same. Like now he's just, he's now he's spelling it out for me too much. Like that seemed like something which oh, is okay. telling me on the script. I actually, there, there's one point where I thought, where I really admired the writing in this, and a lot of this does show as the work of a first-time filmmaker. I mean, there there is some roughness with it, um, but there was one point in the movie where I was like, this is brilliant, and I really want to see where, where this uh, director and screenwriter, what they do next. And that is where um, he's asking her about the first date, 
and she's getting it wrong, and she says, and some of that stuff, by the way, just the back yeah. and forth of that, I really enjoyed. And yeah, she says, yeah, it's outdoor. We can see the skies and the, the stars. And he's like, no, that's not how it is. And she says, we don't remember. We don't remember. And you know it's because there's this weird hive mind. And I love, by the way, how it, it's so open with the fact that there's some crazy supernatural UFO shit here. Like, it's yeah. not trying to be any sort of metaphorical thing. Like, you can go all the way, and I love this. You can watch Under the Skin and and maybe get away with like, oh, they're not aliens, they're angels, or somehow divine, or um, here, it's very clearly, you know, I don't know, forest gods, or I think UFOs, whatever it is, clearly something supernatural. You even see the crazy worm thing. Um, but she is sane because you know she's fallen in as part of this collective mind. And if that's not a metaphor for marriage, I don't know what is. She is saying, we don't remember. Right. And then he says to her, I just want us to be us. You know, they're both talking in this first-person mm-hmm. plural uh, with this idea of of co-joined identities and pulling in different ways. Uh, and I think also part of what the movie is, is hinting at is infidelity. You know, is uh, can you trust someone who you become a, a part, a piece of? Who you know, when you have that collective identity, when you're in a marriage, yeah. can, can you ever be sure that that person is not talking to this other person because she fucked him before, or was he just a childhood friend? Like all of that insecurity in that bed that you're in, right? Right, there. right, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I think they're they're. Uh, I'll get kind of highfalutin here if you guys will indulge me for a minute. Um, there's an August Strindberg play called The Father. Uh, and Strindberg, uh, depending on who you ask, you might, he could be accused of being sexist, but he did some really progressive things with uh, gender politics in some of his plays. Uh, and in a play called The Father, it, it is about uh, a man and woman get married, and they decide they have different opinions over how they want their uh, daughter, I think, to be educated. And the woman, I think, wants the daughter to go to a certain kind of school. The the father wants her to go to a different kind of school. And the father basically says, well, the force of law is behind me, um, so there's really no point discussing it. She's gonna, our child is going to go to this kind of school. And that's it. And that's like the end of the first act. Um, but what happens is the play is about how ultimately the woman holds all the power, even though the man has the force of law on his side. And what she does is she drives him literally mad. Because remember, this is a play from a couple of century and a half or so ago. Uh, things are very different as far as how they would progress dramatically. The, the wife drives her husband literally mad. He ends the play in a straitjacket by refusing to tell him whether or not that, that their child is really his. You know, and, and that's something that a woman can do. You know, she's the only one who knows for sure uh, whether he has been cuckolded. Um, and she drives him mad, and the point of the play is, yeah, the man might have brute force and the law on his side, but ultimately women have a very different kind of power, and that can prevail. And that kind of reminded me of this, uh, of this movie here, uh, this idea that uh, if you were an alien and you needed to just get dudes killed, you know, there, there's specific powers that women can marshal, you know, that men don't have access to. And, and and men can be very weak in certain ways, and they can be dupes. And even though he's got her tied up at some point, you know, she, she manages to literally turn the table, and then he's tied up at the end and gets dropped in the water. Um, because also, that's another thing from the play, I think, is like, men care too much about kind of dumb shit. Right, exactly. It's, like, he's letting it drive him mad when he could just go, all right. The kids mine or not. <laughs> Moving on. But that that moment 
No, anyway, go ahead. I, mean, I think that moment when she drops him in the water, though, I mean, it's it's something. I mean, you talked about her ultimately destroying him, but that's this, she's movie, saying this she's movie. She's protecting him. I mean, that, that, this movie. That, this is another way for me where it kind of uh, diverts, except for that moment in Under the Skin. But I don't want to talk too much more about that. Um, but she's protecting him, or she's trying to, well, isn't she? I think the alien scrambled her mind to right. the point where it's convinced her this will protect him. Well, this marriage will- has scrambled her mind. I mean, that's. I mean, that's. I, you know, I I love that you came that you that you talked about that identity thing because that's the immediate thing that I got out of this, um, and I don't usually like go sifting through interviews for ideas about a movie, but I often listen to interviews and press clips about movies after you've seen them if I'm not sure how to pronounce certain names, and I wasn't sure how to pronounce the director's name, and so I I just it's really hard to find somebody say a, an early director's name because most of them began their interview right after they introduce her uh, on clips. Um, but one of the interviews at one of the interviewers in one of these many clips I listened to asked her, are you married? Have you ever been married? And she's a very, I mean, young looking uh, uh, woman. Uh, and she said, no, but I, I don't think that really matters. Uh, you know, this is about honeymoon, which is a specific part is early in their marriage. So, uh, you know, it might be later in their relationship, but it's early in the marriage. And this is a specific sort of time. So I don't think it really matters that I've never been married before. And I, I agree with her as, as a writer that you don't have to have done any of, any of the things that you write about. But I love that this movie for me is about fear of losing your identity in marriage by somebody who has never been married and is clear about that. So anyway, well, Roman Polanski has never been pregnant as far as we know. (laughs) Yeah. And I I have no problem with that, but I just, I just liked that, that she said that and she said, yeah, and I don't think that's a problem, but I also think this is about a specific kind of fear of losing your identity in a relationship. Right. And in this case, specifically a marriage relationship. And and I, I do think Kelly is on to something, though, with this idea that the aliens are having these women kill aliens or whatever they are, kill their husbands, and they do it by scrambling their brains and making them think different things. And the women are constantly trying to hold on to their identities, and they're fighting it. And what they do is they make them confused with things, because early on she says something about – and again, I think this is an example of the the intricate – sometimes intricate writing in the movie. She says something about the, the worms being able to survive underwater for a certain amount of time. You know, and so like that's a factoid that in the scrambling uh changes to her drowning her husband. Is this idea that yeah, you put something on a hook, you put it it can survive underwater for a while. So I'm just gonna hide him there. Um, it's all bits and pieces that were already there that they use to you know, Kelly Wan's word of scrambling is great. It's like when she's looking for the 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 uh, nightgown. She goes, she says it's in the box, the clothes box, the suitcase. Right. It's like somebody feeling for for the the mind has been scrambled, and she's having to navigate these new structures where different things are hooking up. And that that I found kind of fascinating. You know, the, I and loved, well acted. It's hard to yeah, she's yeah. selling those lines. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and I loved the scene with the the, the French toast and the coffee. Like, that was just, like, so weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, who does that? Oh, somebody who's completely had pieces of her brain ripped out. Or, or, or that's, the thing that, that's like the moment where he's like, all right, something's definitely wrong. It's not me. It's, it's, this, is, yeah. it's this isn't going to go away. It's only going to get worse. But then I think by the end of the movie, he's snapped, too. Because he, at a certain point, he start, he gets kind of horror movie dumb. But you can go, well, right, right. driven him nuts. <laughs> I got to go back to the restaurant. Right. 
by that point, but he's saying weird shit too, like, oh, you taste the same. Like, obviously, she, the alien's plans worked. Like, it's it has roped him in. Yeah. Literally. Uh, yeah, literally. Uh, how do we feel about um, the uh, lack of explanation about what the aliens are doing and why the marks are on her legs and what that worm was? Um, I didn't mind that. I was only a little curious, like, is this something that. Was, has been going on through childhood. Is it just them? Is it this entire town? Um, why is this happening now? Was she an agent before they got married? And just when she gets her jobs to lure them back to the countryside, or does it? Did she just it just get there at the wrong time, and then she got bitten before because she didn't have the marks on her before? So you wondering those things, Kelly Wand? Are those just things you wondered, or do you think the movie would have been a better or lesser film if those had been answered? <laughs> I'm just curious, but I didn't. They didn't bother me. And in some movie, in horror movies, I kind of let that shit slide usually because they're more about mood. But in movies like Donnie Darko, where I think it's, I need to understand what's. Going it's on. like a puzzle movie. Like, yeah, this right. isn't quite that kind of puzzle. Yeah. yeah, I don't think horror movies need to make sense. I no, they're not supposed to. I mean, that's right. I think Tom's, Tom's the kind of doing a trick question on you because I think his contention has long been that. The more a horror movie explained, the worse it is. Well, yeah, but then I was rattling off a bunch of questions. But then I thought Tom would. Say what he said, but then also tell me the answers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Kelly Wan has been going on for 50 years. Yeah. They take five men every year. Uh, she has been part of this ritual. She is third in command. Uh, she changes third in command. Goes, no, <laughs> but, well, no, because uh, sometimes I'm dumb, and I thought maybe I might have missed something. And you're like, no, dude, they say right in the heart with the Indian food, duh. Right, no, I, I don't think you missed anything. I mean, all we know is that two – so at the end, during the gathering, we just see the two wives, right? There, are there right. more? That's yeah. what I'm saying. Right. There, was more. Just, there, there were like four women in the forest there. There were dark figures, and the the, the credits listed like dark men or dark right. dark person or something. I thought for sure, my you know, I thought I, I just in my memory I have more women standing there. I guess I'm just imagining. That. You might be right. You might be right. There are definitely people there, but I didn't know if they were like their. It's hard to tell. The, pers- the person I watched it with agrees with you uh, that it was just the two of them. I just had an. I just imagined more women there, and I thought, oh look, it's a whole gathering. We don't know. Uh, the fact, Kelly Wan, I don't think because the, and I kind of wish they hadn't done this, but they do that kind of weird snake makeup on them. That makes me think this is kind of like their one use only, and then they become aliens or. Oh. Uh, uh, and I'm not sure. I, at first, my thinking was, well, you guys don't need to put snake makeup on the actresses. No, I like that. Well, I liked it because it becomes also a body dysmorphia kind of thing. Like yeah. they're, they're disintegrating as they go, and whatever those worms are doing up in her, they're, it's, she it's has irreversible. to look different. Scene too. It's been two days. And Your body gets so, so changed in going through pregnancy, which it would, I guess it would be another fear. It's a horror movie. Get a I'm cop- really. I'm amazed that you guys think the acting is good in this because yeah, I love the acting. Yeah. I love like both of them. I could not. I thought they were terrible, and mainly that was because I just thought their chemistry was absolutely horrible from moment one. And and as much as I like that waffle and coffee scene and and the moment where she's trying to recall their first date, and I just thought they were terrible in this. I'm so surprised you guys love the acting. Yeah, they well, the acting, not the early stuff, and not, maybe not sort of the I like the early stuff too. But her being, um, her being conflicted and struggling with this and trying to reassure him and him being taken aback. Yeah, once they get out of the, hey, we're the newly married couple and look how precious we are. Yeah, I like the acting quite a bit. But see, they're the annoying couple at the beginning. They're like the, the stereotypical annoying couple. Well, the thing yeah. is, for me, when I'm watching it, I'm just like, I don't believe a thing. I don't believe this, this, this relationship. I mean, I don't believe they, these two people met more than a week ago. Um, 
but I kind of would be willing to overlook that if I felt like there was a individual history or, or a sense of individual identity. And I didn't get that I, that feeling either. And as the movie went on, I just got more frustrated with it. It's weird. But... Well, she's getting taken over by aliens, but he his weirdness we just have to take on faith is based entirely on his relationship with her since well, he has no other – Well, I, I kind of – I mean I understand what the characters are, are going for. I mean I, I understand that idea. I, I, nece- I don't necessarily call it infidelity so much as fear of past lovers. I mean when, when they meet Will and he smashes the lamp and then there's this spark between the two of them and Paul uh, – or, or Gary, rather, uh, is is constantly responding to that. Um, I kind of like that idea and that feeling of I'm not going to be able to let go of your sexual past. Well, no, and, no, no. I mean, a whole a whole bit of misdirection is he thinks that she's gone out into the woods to meet him. Oh yeah, yeah, right. you're right. You're right. So there's definitely this. But uh, I think that uh, early on, though, his his fear is that, uh, or his feeling is, oh, these two have a past, and she still wants him. Although I did feel a little bit what Dingus felt like they did they hadn't known each other long like it was an impulse marriage and that date with the Indian food was sort of recent and right it's just because they were at a certain age like we don't know why they got married right just he like, says oh I love you more than anyone just like we don't know what the aliens wanted <laughs> um uh, somebody help me have you guys ever seen it's a I meant to look this up. A, a horror anthology set in the Old West with a, a prairie witch. That anthology. Eat, that no, I know men. you're not asking me this question. Uh, Kelly, one, do you know this? Keep going. It's a pre- be more specific than this. Well, so it's about um, one of the little segments in this anthology, and they're all in the Old West. They're all horror. Uh, is there's a guy traveling, and he comes up to a campfire with a really attractive woman there, and she's you know. Doing whatever you do, she's making the coffee or the beans or whatever the cowboys do at campfires normally. And he's like, oh, can I join you for your campfire? And she's like, oh, yeah. And she's totally being all seductive to him. She's <laughs> really pretty and stuff. And she, she starts sort of coming on to him. I know the campfire move from old times. <laughs> well, then tell me if you know this move. And so she starts um, – you know, things are getting serious, and he gets to first base, and then second base, and then third base, and then home run, and they're having sex, and her um, cooch uh-huh. basically bends him in half and, 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 like, sucks him all the way in. Like, the way uh, – what's another movie that's done that? where, where somebody gets snapped over in half and pulled into a narrow uh, orifice? Um, that was Lewis and Clark, wasn't it? I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. Narrow orifice. But, but then what happens is she basically just brushes herself off and she goes back to the campfire and waits for the next guy to come back. And the implication is there are these prairie witches that that devour men by having sex with them. Does they that not really? By crap. Uh, no. Oh rats! I was hoping you of all people would know what that was. I'm sure I saw it when I was younger and it <laughs> it freaked me out. I was like, wow, does that really happen? Um. What's the anthology? So the anthology is other prairie witch stories. No, it's other Western horror things. I think. And this is taps into the famous prairie witch myth. <laughs> Everybody knows that. One. Terrified school children in the <laughs> which reached its uh, which reached its, its zenith in uh, Meek's cutoff. Uh, or it's nadir. So How dare you? Witch. Um. Uh, okay, so I, I, one thing, I want to raise a, a question about something, see if you guys noticed. I'm pretty sure Kelly Wan did. So we've seen Rose Leslie in, in Game of Thrones, and boy, have we seen Rose Leslie in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Honeymoon, 
they're very circumspect about any nudity. What is up with that? How do you think we would know that? Oh, well, we know? Kelly Wan, maybe you would know that like it was in her contract that she's only naked in Game of Thrones or something. Oh. Well they Dan Daenerys said that too. She doesn't want to be nude anymore. I guess it's I guess it's annoying to be naked if you're a woman. But hmm. it's not so much be in like the camera crews like grunting around you all the time. Like that's probably the annoying part. Like they don't mind being naked because it's really warm. Well, it's weird Is to me just because in in a movie where where people they are, are yeah they are very careful about it. I mean, not all of a sudden. I mean, there's, there's, that, like, or... there's that shower moment, and then there's the very obvious moment where he ties her up, and then her panties are suddenly on. Maybe um, if she shows him, she's like, okay, then it's a different kind of horror movie. It's exploitation horror. So I'm going to keep it tasteful so only a flipper comes out. Well, my thinking is that it's it, it's movies about characters being very uh, emotionally vulnerable, emotionally naked. Uh, and in those situations... You know, nudity doesn't have to be lascivious. It doesn't have to be something played for erotic value. Right. Um, See, they, uh, they probably told her that, and she just didn't buy it. She didn't buy it. Uh, one of an example of this is the movie Open Water. Um, where you you see the main actress naked and they're trying to establish the relationship between the husband and wife in that movie. Uh, and her nudity is nudity is very matter of fact. Um, it's like they would normally be naked together. It's not like tastefully lit, lit and staged or anything like that. It's just there. Uh, and so that then when the terrible things happen to them, uh, it helps create this sense you know, they're of... Intimate. Well, you, that's you, a married. I see what you see. That's you've kind of seen. You've, yeah, you've seen them particularly vulnerable together with each other. Um, and you know now they're lost in the middle of the ocean, and you kind of feel closer to them in a weird way. Um, so I think the same thing would have served this story better. Is if Rose Leslie, if, if if there had been actual nudity in here, rather than this PG thirteen super coy. Oh, we're not going to show you a nipple kind of stuff. It is the it is endemic to the themes too. Yeah. Well, now, you know, I kind of agree with you, Tom, and I didn't really think of it in those terms. But if you imagine both both tie up scenes or both tie up instances where where he first ties her up and she's naked and that vulnerable, and then when she ties him up, he's naked. Um, that would be more terrifying to me, I think. I don't know. And, and, but it would also make me feel vulnerable for the actor, so, but that's kind of my own baggage. Well, as you should. I mean, I think that would that would have maybe brought you into the fold more as far as liking these characters like Kelly Wand and I did. Um, well, let me let, – oh, go ahead, Tom. Well, I, I think, too, of Disappearance of Alice Creed. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Know? That's a great point. Jim, as an actress, Jim Arterton, 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 you're right. Uh, yeah, w- was just you know the, the nudity in that w- was really in service of making you feel a certain way about her, and not oh god, I totally want to do her, but just about her her vulnerability, yeah, and yeah. and it played into the power structures that went back and forth in that movie. And Connolly and uh, Requiem for Dream. Okay. Was she naked in that? Wasn't she? I don't recall. Yeah. Jennifer, I mean, the, I, I recall it being more, again, some of that tastefully staged stuff where you don't actually see anything. She's, she's been naked in, in Mulholland Falls Drive, Falls. She's uh, naked in Hot Spot. Well, wherever she – well, at any rate, I, I think in some movies it, it really does serve the material well. It creates a sense of vulnerability uh, about the character and intimacy that the audience has with the character. Uh, and I think it really would have helped in, um, in Honeymoon. Maybe that's what Dingus meant, because Scott Johansson even 
Yeah, well, that's what I was about to say. You're right, Kelly. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then all the guys. I mean, the, the, all the dude nakedness in that. Yep. And, uh, yeah, and Harry Treadaway. We could, we could have some Harry Treadaway dong in here, and that would have been fine. That There was a, a place for it. This movie could have... Uh, could have had that, but I don't know. Maybe but imagine there... the vulnerability for a man being tied up in that situation, knowing he's going into super cold water. I mean, that there's there's a whole like other fear that men have about their their sexuality being exposed. I'd be more worried about the drowning at that point, though. Yeah, that's but, a good point. Yeah, but I, I think I would worry more about the dog. Uh, is <laughs> Tom? We all have our priorities. Exactly. I, after I watched Tiny Moon, I couldn't sleep and I became obsessed with aliens. So then I watched a movie called Unaware. It was a found footage movie. Have you seen that one? No. What is it? Tell me about it. What were you eating, Unaware? And then uh, I watched Alien Abduction, the movie, which wasn't which, as good. Which one? The recent one. Yeah. It also has a, a weird scene with the effect where somebody is snapped back in half. Yep. No. What? what? Alien Abduction does? Yeah. Who gets there's, snapped on him? Uh, there's a scene where I can never forget one of the funny things about alien abduction. The supposed wife and daughter are so close in age. That oh yeah, she does. You're right. Yeah, and so they. Um, uh, why did you? What's what is the what is unaware? Should I watch that? Yeah, that one's good. I want your review of it. it okay, good. Unaware. Uh, is it? You know what? Don't tell me anything else. I'll, I'll definitely watch that. I'm always up. Maybe want start a write a found footage movie called Situation Alert. That's what I'm writing. Now. Oh my god! Oh wow! Awesome. Situation yeah. alert! Tell me why that's that's the worst. It's like time. the happening. No, Situ- you'll see. I know what I'm doing. Can Situation I ask- alert! Situation alert! Exclamation point! Oh Jesus! That's my found footage movie. It's you have a question. Three, got three pages. I I do have a question. Almost I mean done. this. I mean this in earnest. Did you guys find this movie scary? A little bit at first. Uh, that that stuff with the French toast was kind of ominous, and when he was out in the woods, I got kind of creeped. I'm in easy room, though. I'm in easy room, too. And I it, I found it scary in the sense that I was afraid there was going to be a jump scare, or at some point she was going to turn around and have scary, like, demon face. But also, uh, creepy oh, enough, and I, I got, like, I it sort of tied my stomach up in knots. It was like, oh, God, what's going to happen? Like, yeah. I, it, it's it's just very uncomfortable, and when you start to think about the implications of what's going to happen to these people, the... The scene where she's trying to give herself an abortion with those marshmallow skewers from the campfire was just really uncomfortable. Um, the the worm, yeah, like like I I was queasy at times. During- Although, see, the thing that you guys hated was what worked for me because like the early dialogue was so campy. I'm all, oh wait, this is a horror movie. Uh oh, <laughs> shit's gonna go down. So I was already like going in a little tense, like ah oh, fuck, this is gonna be a horror movie. It's- some horrible There's got to be something to counteract this twee, charming opening. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be this boring and stupid unless they're right. <laughs> something terrible is going to happen to these characters because I know how. This, the only time you hear dialogue this retarded is in a fucking horror movie. Dingus, uh, <laughs> I think why you didn't find oh. it scary is because you were having conversations with the person to your right who was watching it with you. Ah, oh, see, Dingus. <laughs> You know, no, if, but if a movie engages me in that way, I'm an easy scare too, and this this wasn't scary at all. And and so what I tried to uh, sort of elliptically engage Tom in without you know with, while trying to save it for the podcast was for for me I think there's a difference between scary and creepy. And when I asked you guys if it was scary, both scary. of you brought the word creepy in as if they're synonyms, and I think they can be. But for me, in movies, they're in this movie, they're not. I mean, this movie. There's a yellow have- area, a yellow zone in between the two that I think this movie's in because it doesn't have jump scares really. 
the way well, alien abduction is all scares. Well, I think the yellow zone you're talking about is is Tom's sort of Venn or Zen diagram, however he puts it, uh, where there where those two things do overlap. <laughs> but but for me, this movie was not scary. It had creepy elements. But it's interesting for me to ask you guys this question and hear you bring the word creepy in because I think well, it's not thing sometimes because scary things don't. By the end of it, it wasn't scary. It's like um, there's not like a a big crescendo where it's like, oh god, they're going to get in the house kind of thing. It's not like a suspense kind of scary. Well, it does sort of have this feeling of like maybe it's going to be a home invasion movie at the beginning. Right, but that never happens. So are you, right, are you right. never scared because you're primed for a moment that never comes? You know. uh, Dingus, break it down for me. What's the difference between a scary movie and a creepy movie? And give me examples of either. Well, for, for me, and uh, this is kind of along the lines of what we talked about, I mean uh, – a scare, a legitimately scary movie to me is Paranormal Activity. I mean, that, because that movie scared me. I'm not saying there aren't things that are creepy in it, um, but I was, I was frightened the whole time I was watching. I was scared of what was going to happen next, and when things happened, they filled me with fear. Uh, creepiness to me doesn't necessarily fill me with fear, although there's a fear element to it. Um, and I, I'm, you know, I'm blanking on what to call creepy at this point. Uh, I, I guess under the skin has more creepiness to it than, than outright fear or scariness. Um, I, I don't know that, that there's m- many moments that, that I jumped other than the, the, that one moment we all agreed on. But I don't know that I was scared so much as, as, as felt that sense of unease, disquiet, um, and, and just, like soul disturbance in watching the movie. And, and so in, the, in watching this, I was uneasy and disquieted more than I was ever scared. And so for me, I, there are differences, but I do agree that with, as what Kelly said, there is a yellow area. And it doesn't have to be a scary movie. Like if it just wants to be creepy and make me wonder if it's ever going to be scary, that's fine. That's a legal move. Uh, but I, I guess I just equate like, like a, a movie that purports to be a horror movie with that it, it's going to scare me. Uh, a, and, you know, I mean, we we append these labels to it retroactively, but well, what do you think, Tom? I mean, is, am I making is, is it a distinction without a difference? I mean, what am I doing? Here? Well, for for me, when I think of a, of a scary movie, I mean, it's a genre. But for me, scares are sudden things. I tend to not like them. I think of jump scares. Um, and, and I you think want it to be over soon, like, oh, what's going to happen? Okay, and then there's a relief period. But the thing is, I mean, it depends on it's, – it's a weird semantic thing because Paranormal Activity is certainly a scary movie, uh, and it doesn't need jump scares. Uh, and then being creepy is just a sort of a lower level of scariness that's more about tone and atmosphere. Uh, there's a great movie called uh, um, Last Will and Testament of Rosalind Lee which is just creepiness throughout, and it's so weirdly creepy, and I think there's like two jump scares in it, but it's all tone and atmosphere and really creepy. Is it a horror movie? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. You you would like it, Kelly Wand. All right. Um, but then, you know, a traditional scary movie is, um, uh, gosh, like what? You know, Situation so, alert. Situation alert is terrifying. <laughs> well, as you know, a scary movie, too, it, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess thing is, they kind of. I'm not. It's scary. Can't, can't really untangle the the differences, other than to say one is higher grade and one is lower grade. It's okay. like it's like trying to describe different kinds of pain. You know, it's a throbbing, it's a burning. It's, it's, but even uh, that, it's an if you're not going for intensity. I mean, it's an it's. 
So I started watching Juwan, Kelly Wan, because you, you told oh, me to watch it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was too creepy, and I was like, I can't see. Do what? Ah, oh, you fucking. And, and it was before it even got scary. It was just doing creepy stuff, and I'll watch it. I will watch it at some point. How far in did you get? You, I just like, you wait. Like, you stopped watching it. Was it too much dread? What was going on? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what? I had to be somewhere. I had to right. go deliver. Wait, did you get up to the really? No, shut up. Don't even want to talk about it. I'll watch it, and then we'll talk more. As thing- I was watching, I was like, okay, this is really creeping me out. I it's too late. I have to go to sleep. There's no downtime. It just like, next creep, next creep. <laughs> but like, I'm trying to think like what's just something that's scary but not creepy, and I can't really think of things like that. I mean, because Alien's creepy. Like if you watch Alien the first time as opposed to the ninth time, it's a completely different experience because you don't know what's after something comes out of a stomach. You're like, is that just like that's the first act of this movie? Fuck. But then once you know, you're about to watch 20 minutes of Harry Dean Stan tramping around. Dingus, could you think of something that's scary but not creepy? Like, is it that is, is it that discreet for you? Uh, no, I, I don't think so, because I, I think that you're right. That, that uh, but, I, but I think that, that they have elements of each. Uh, but for, for, but for me, this, this movie just doesn't happen. And when Kelly One brings up Alien, I mean, Alien was terrifying to me. And it's terrifying to me every time. We were kids, too. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> But I don't think that I could. I I I could. And it was supposed that. to be a horror movie. It was. And I, and I think I'm I'm drawing a semantic argument that really doesn't need to be drawn. Nope. Again, a distinction without a difference. But I'll uh, I'll tell you a movie that I think is scary but not creepy. Jaws. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Maybe something. There's nothing creepy in Jaws. Yep. He's not a creepy shark. He's a, he's all about business. He just gets up in your face and does his business, and he's not going to like. You know, there's no, there's, there's no like skulking about, right? I don't know. Wait, what? <laughs> it's shark terminology. I think that's the only one though. Yeah, you're right because Jaws has jokes in it. And it's got like light moments, so it should suck. It shouldn't be scary. Jurassic Park, not it's like creepy, a fun, scary. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I Basically, gonna... Spielberg. He <laughs> does that brief, not be brief, creepy. Brief you by bringing up Jurassic Park, but you beat me. He's that. the non-creepy horror director. Well, Tim Robbins in War of the Worlds is pretty creepy. What about Hitchcock movies? He's not creepy, is he? Um, yeah. Spellbound, creepy. Spellbound. Spellbound. Vertigo. Vertigo's got like really creepy. Like, what the hell is he doing? Kind of stuff. Some of that's creepy. And he hallucinates. Psycho. Psycho. Well, yeah, actually, Vertigo is creepy, right? What? Psycho. Psycho. Psycho's creepy. <laughs> All right, forget everything I said. I was just wondering if this movie actually scared you guys. But, you know, Tom might be right. It might have been, might have been the circumstances, and the person I was seeing it with wasn't into it and was, like, doing a running commentary until I shushed her. Um, but I, I, but I, I was not buying the relationship at all, so I, was, I just wasn't getting into it. There's that, there that moment at the beginning, and I made a Harry and Sally joke where they're doing, like, a little interview at the beginning. Um, and I just didn't believe that that these two knew each other or cared about each other or had had any relationship. And so it's really hard for me to buy into them when he's like scooping her up into his arms to carry her into this cabin. And then they're going to do a tour of the place. Uh, so I'm just focusing on details. Like, Oh, there's that bear rug. That's going to show up later I, to the movie's credit. It doesn't really show up as like uh, a, like a scare thing. Um, but any, anyway, I mean, it, it, that's, that's just a different Set of baggage. It just, the movie just didn't scare me at all, so I was curious as to whether it's. Kelly, you're scaring me. Stop. Kelly, stop scaring me. You're scaring me. Uh, did you guys ever hear Rose Leslie's accent? There are a couple times I thought maybe I heard a little bit. When the flipper came out. One, two, three, not only you and me, got 180 to 
Pity they couldn't find a couple of Americans to play these really important parts. <laughs> Jesus. It's a mock. from Americans, yeah. Wait, did she take it a lot on Game of Thrones, Tom? So I thought it's fun. No. I don't... Yeah, not a lot. I mean, there's a there's a great cave scene where she's super naked, but... Um, right. That might be the only one. She's naked in the book, so they, had, they told her, like, look, you're naked in the scene the book. Hmm. See what I'm saying? Even it was tasteful, though. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realize until that she was in Downton Abbey, and I, I totally forgot that. She's great in it. Dingus watches Downton Abbey? Not anymore, but I did way back when, and I totally forgot that she was in it, even after having watched Game of Thrones. Why do you watch Downton Abbey? Why? Because yeah. everybody, a couple years ago, everybody was like, oh, Downton Abbey, Downton Abbey, blah, 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 blah. So I watched the first season. The first season's really good. Oh. Um, uh, and then, like, the rest, like, wasn't on Instant Watch, so I dropped it. Yeah. All right. So much for Downton Abbey. Poor Downton Abbey. But she's oh, on that. that. She she does very well. And, and it wasn't until I looked up her IMDb, and even after seeing Game of Thrones, I didn't realize. And then I, when I saw that there, I was like, oh, that's her. Duh. Kelly, want to do her voice again? Let's hear it. Uh... Oh, that Skaggy Witch sewed me a gammy spell. <laughs> worst, worst Kelly McDonald ever. Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. Hey! Wow, Kelly Wand, we, you get a gold star. And just for that, I'm going to let you introduce your 3x3 three three this week. Wow. That's too powerful. I have to give this trophy back, like Catherine Heigl, because I didn't deserve it. I mean, you didn't deserve it. This week's topic. Oh, I was going to do an amendment. I really, I thought of. I was really bummed that I thought of a movie that took place in a single day that I wasn't on my three by three because I didn't think of it till this week. But Passion of the Christ is a really good one, and I wish that it, I'd picked that as my number one. But getting back to Pooh, if I may. Wait, Passion of the Christ for what? Movies that take place in a single day. That last three by three topic I did that you liked. Yeah, you said how great it was. Remember. Yeah, because Garden of Gethsemane takes place in that day. What does? Never mind. They won't... Look, if I want my intellectual uh, play references to fucking Ionesco, I'll go to Tom. <laughs> this week's topic was poo. <laughs> uh, all right, so just poo in a movie. Uses, of, but uses of poo. Yeah, exactly. So it should be poo being used, or at least this is what I do with my list, like creatively. Creative poo usage. Yeah. I All right. That. My number three is the help. All right. So, uh, so the the number three, uh, you know, I I had one that I thought was really obvious from early on, uh, but I I think that a lot of people choose that one. So instead, I choose I chose one that came to me later in the week. Uh, and so what I was going to ask if is if you guys remember the uh, the the poop story from the movie Short Term Twelve. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, but the problem is, it's not like a literal like physical use of, of poop, which I was kind of going for. And my other ones actually have like like hands on poop action. Oh, so this, these could have been references to feces. Well, oh, 
Well, I, I, I don't. I don't. That's that's kind of why I was trying against it because my my original number three had like literal like we are using poop in this scene. Uh, but I love the way that in short term twelve he he talks about that that situation that he has you know with crapping in his pants. Um, and it's just to me it was so like Ugh. uh so he's using poop to make you know a, a kid a, a a kid who has uh, all these problems feel better basically. I've made an important decision. I'd like to share with you guys. Oh good. I uh when once when I was at a movie theater, you know, a lot of times when I see a movie at a movie theater, it's probably against the law, so please don't turn me in. I will duck into another theater, uh, even if a movie's in progress that I think I don't want to see, but I just want to watch scenes from it and think maybe I want to see it. Uh, I did duck into Need for Speed briefly. <laughs> wow. I thought you saw the whole thing. So. No, no, no. I did not see the whole thing. I watched a few scenes of it, and I actually found myself really enjoying scenes with Remy Malek, who's the guy who plays the, the, main, uh, the, the main male character in Short Term 12. And just Dingus bringing this up, he's the one listening, by the way, to this poo story. And so his reaction to it, you know, as an actor, he's good at listening. His reaction to it is a big part of what makes a little exchange work. So as Dingus was explaining that, I came to the realization that I think I'm going to go ahead and see all of Need for Speed. Wow. Because Remy Malik is in it, and I like that guy. At the same theater? No, good lord, it's on, you can rent it now. It's I know. Netflix or something. Yeah, just so. maybe. No, I'm not going to go to a theater and see it, but I am going to see. For you. Dingus's pick made me realize I, I think I'm going to go ahead and see Need for Speed. I Even though I think you remember Remy Malik's name. Oh, no, I love that guy. Yeah. Uh, did I get it right? Yeah. I'm sure you did. I, I couldn't have pulled that out of a hat. And I can't abide Aaron Paul, by the way. I think Aaron Paul is a terrible actor. I apologize if he's listening, but uh, I. <laughs> He's won Emmys, Tom. You can't. I know, I know. Isn't that? But so is. But Mira Sorvino has won an Oscar, so there you go. Ben Affleck's won writing and directing. Yeah, exactly. So, at any rate, okay, short turn twelve, very good. Uh, Although he's good, in, he's good in Breaking Bad because he plays the dumb kid. It's like how Brad Pitt's good in. Wait, who, who are we talking about? Aaron Paul. In breaking, oh, see, I'm breaking away. See, that's how much I'm so not into Breaking Bad. I was like, well, he's in that that movie. Take that, Aaron Paul. <laughs> I'm gonna go back thirty years. I don't think he is good in Breaking Bad. What? Yep, you, I said it. <sighs> Do you Come remember on. the the main dude in Short Term Twelve? For what it is, for what he's supposed to be. Do I? What, do I remember the main dude, the boyfriend? Yeah, the the yeah. main guy, the the lead that's... guy. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, that's not Remy Malik. No, no, Remy Malik is the. Um, he's kind of the the stand-in for the audience, where stuff has to be explained to him so that the audience can learn about it. He's the new guy. Uh, he looks. I don't know. I, is he Indian or Pakistani like, or something? Like he he definitely uh, looks like he's got a, a Middle Eastern or Arabic descent. I'm guessing with that name. Um, like Danny Torrance is the new guy in The Shining. They have to explain where the arcade is to. Mm, along those lines, sure. I just love how interesting Remy Malik is. I mean, I can't write, and I should know this because the the main guy was in Newsroom, and I really like that actor, and I can't call I can't recall his name. But Remy Malik, uh, I, one of the things I loved was when uh, when Need for Speed was coming out, we were both just like, "Oh, you got to be kidding me!" At one point, after we had seen Short Term Twelve, Tom's like, "I need you to come over here and look at this." And he showed me a trailer for Need for Speed. And I'm like, why are you showing me this? And Remy Malik shows up. I was like, oh! Okay. Yeah. 
he had like a funny line or something. And yeah, they give him like in the bits I saw of Need for Speed, they were giving him funny stuff to do. Like what? Uh, he has to quit. So there's something. Need for Speed is about some cross country. I kind of want to see it. And uh, Remy Malik is a buttoned up stockbroker or something. And in order for the hey, we're getting the team together for the race bit, they have to convince him to quit his job. So they go to and they they drive. There's like a town square that he can see from his office building. Remy Malik. Oh, and they they do they get in a little police chase around the court. Uh, the little courtyard there, the center of the town, um, right under Remy Malik's nose. And he's looking out there and he sees it and it makes him think, all right, I'm going to join those guys. And in the process of quitting his job, he just is walking down the hall towards the elevator, shedding his clothes. He strips naked to quit his job. And he's just got this goofy grin on his face as he realizes he's done That's with his job. And he it. shows up naked at the bottom of the office building and they're going to pick him up and they're like, why'd you take your clothes off? And he's like, I just thought it would be a good idea. <laughs> Which is kind of endearing. That's how he quits? Yep, that's how he quits his job. That's the way to do it. I, I, I've never quit that way but I bet if, you, if I did, it would it would really take. Like, that's he, how Joe Beth Williams quits. In, uh, in Kramer vs. Kramer? Oh, Jesus. In what? <laughs> Teachers with Nick Nolte. I think she streaks to make a point about. She also streaks to impress um, uh, Dustin Hoffman's son in Kramer's Kramer. The divorce. To impress him? Yeah. The ghosts try to strip her in Poltergeist, but they uh, they get confused on the ceiling. Kelly Wan, that's enough of that. Let's have your Let's number three food. pick about. for this week's topic. Wait, what was your number three? Um, I wrote, number three was the I, I wrote down... Was there, oh, thank you, Dingus. As I was taking notes, I realized for my number three, I wrote down the word poo. <laughs> That's yeah. the movie? Uh, it's I The Help, it. which I've never actually seen. Are you allowed to pick for your 3 by 3 a movie you've never seen? No. Dingus did this right, and you made fun of him. You went, oh, that you made a reference to poo, and then this is yours? You're making fun of Dingus after pulling this shit? Oh, my God. Wait, but there's poo. They do. They Dingus at least saw the mo- scene he's talking about. You're saying... I've heard about it. Steve. I've been told about it. This is... Ah, uh, Tom. They make a cake a, out of poo. And they and somebody... It's a pie. A pie. And someone like Bryce Dallas Howard or someone or Emma Stone eats it because she's oh. a racist. How much of it does she eat the whole thing? I don't know. I haven't seen the movie. How wouldn't she know it's poo the second she smells it? Well, they probably flavor it. I don't Who's know. Who is it? I couldn't tell you that either. Why is that happening? Because she's a racist. That's what they did to racists. Take that, racist. That's what they did to racists. That's the only language they understand. <laughs> yeah. All right, so Kelly Owen, what's your number three choice? Come up and... Martin Luther King would be proud, I think. My number three is uh, in Back to the Future. Oh, wait, that was my number two. All right, skip that for now. Um, my number three is uh, in More American Graffiti. At the end, what's the guy's name? Frog, Charles Martin Smith's character. Wait a minute. Is this the sequel to American Graffiti? Yeah. Richard Dreyfuss wasn't in it, but everybody else was. There's a lot of uh, Cindy Williams. Well, Richard Dreyfuss was busy doing The Graduate. Yeah. I thought it was Close Encounters. Wasn't that 78? The Graduate. All right, listen to you, people. My point is, at the okay, wait, you'll like this, Tom. Yeah. Maybe. At the end of the original American Graffiti, it says what happens to all the characters. Mm-hmm. That was like the first movie to do that. Mm-hmm. 
And for the Charles Martin Smith character, Frog, it says that he goes MIA in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, that's a bummer. And then Paul Matt gets killed by a drunk driver. You're like, oh, Jesus Christ, Lucas. And then um, it's in the sequel, Paul Matt does get uh, killed, like, just in the last part. But then Charles Martin Smith doesn't get killed. He's going MIA because he, like, blows up his general while the guy's taking a shit. So it's like a happy ending for him. I think that was Bob Balaban. The general? No. So wait, so the, the poo, so this could be just someone on the toilet. Yeah, just he's using up. poo creatively. That's my that's the theme of my. Um, so for instance, I could have used it. the first shooting in Unforgiven. Just you know what? After you're number three, you're not allowed to say anything. What are you talking about? The help? <laughs> uh, that's the it's worst thing we're done on the podcast. Shaking the bushes, boss. Shaking the bushes. So no, the, the most shocking undercutting. The first if kill, I, the kill in Unforgiven, where they shoot the guy who's in the outhouse. That would have qualified for this? Did you see that scene? If it was happening, yeah. Put, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have contested oh. it. Well, you just made me think of Dances with Wolves. Right, right. A lot, there's so many poo movies to choose from. It was such a glorious... You, you, yeah, I thought you wanted us to have a scene where the substance was involved. That's what I did. I'm the only one who's done that so far with his 3 by 3 Oh, mine involved it. Nah, the, the guy just... Maybe he hasn't even gone to the bathroom yet. You don't know. You see the poo, and in the movie, there's like shots of him before that carrying giant barrels of poo around, and you're supposed to go, ah, Vietnam. <laughs> that was the worst part of Vietnam, I think. That, that yeah. the answer. It's an allegory the way Scarlett Johansson is an allegory for aliens. She's more of a simile, I think. <sighs> She's more of a Jerry. My number two is Caddyshack. Which actually, I guess, uh-huh. I that rule because it's not even list. it's not even poo. It's a baby Ruth bar. Topic three ways. I told I took this off the table. No, you didn't. Uh, 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 oh, dingus, back me up. You. Were- uh, I don't remember that. I predicted during the week that you would choose Caddyshack. Oh. Right, wait till you hear what I thought you would choose for your number one. No. No, it's actually stupider than that, probably. I don't uh, want yeah, no, it's not. I promise you. All right, Dingus, what's your second pick? Wait, right, my sec- wait, wait, Tom. Talk yes. about your number. I've never seen Caddyshack. What? Tom's choosing only because he yeah. Tom has a real fear of the scatological, so he will not watch movies. With you. Or with gophers. I also don't like gophers. Did you see Animal House? Same. Of course, I've seen Caddyshack and Animal House. What are you talking about? Uh-oh. Do you like the Irish girl's pregnancy parts of Caddyshack? Irish girl's pregnancy parts of Caddyshack. I do not remember those bits. Thanks for nothing, Noonan. Remember that chick? Nope. Who's not? not. Chick from Tron. I don't. Sorry. Tom. I I was like 10 years old when I saw it. Okay. I think that's the first time I ever saw female nudity in a movie. Oh, yeah. And what female nudity, too? That's a grand entrance to female nudity. Good work, Dingus. Uh, Tom. Thanks. Okay, A, isn't that an interesting period piece of how a candy bar, like that's product placement back in 1980. Mm-hmm. Like now you wouldn't get like... The big Corporation a, would not stand for that. Yeah. You get a right, flood, just be... Light open against a car. Yeah, the lifeguard would be in a Babe Ruth chair. Mm. So, good not, pick. Not nearly as funny. Well, you know, it's more thought-provoking. Dingus, what's your second pick for this topic? More creepy. 
All right, so my number two, number two, is, uh, here's a quote from it. Sometimes food is more valuable than gold. Sometimes food is more valuable than gold. All right, you guys will not, well, you may have seen it, but it's... it's Which part does that fit, Tom? Civilization? Oh, uh, Agricola. Ah. Or Caverna. Nations. Are you sure you're saying either of those right? <laughs> Nations. <laughs> <laughs> it's Nat. It's Nat Ions. The space game. Uh, All right. So here's here's a more pertinent uh, part of the dialogue. And now is our annual custom. Each citizen of San Marcos will come up here and present His Excellency with his weight in horse manure. This got to be bananas. He's doing this is definitely ba- this is bananas. Yeah. Uh, I love this moment in bananas where. Uh, where uh, where the new president of San Marcos thinks that he's going to be getting diamonds, uh, each each citizen's weight in diamonds, but instead his his great bounty as president of San Marcos is that he gets each citizen's weight in horse manure, and they show them on a scale like a like the citizen sitting on a scale and then piling horse manure on the other side and then weighing them based on their weight in horse manure. Because, you know, the crops are more important than getting a bunch of uh, gold or diamonds or whatever. So uh, so one of the things that that, made, that when Kelly Wan brought up poop was that great moment where, but it's, it's mainly that I just love the way the person says, horse manure. I love that. That's that's does, Kelly one. Is it okay uh, if, if the feces is from an animal? Well, he is using poo, so it fits your criteria. Okay. And if it's any criteria, horse manure is poop. Deal with it. Every everybody poops. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm not. Mine, I'm not, mine is on the sale. This is actually using the product, and it is actual poop. And I've seen the movie, so so you're I picking win. the funniest use of poop. You didn't say it had to be a serious poop usage. No, no, no. I'm just making sure I understand your, um, just why you chose it. Just for my own personal. Since it was my topic, I want to like know what you brought. Well, my first, my number one is super serious, but this is my super fun. No, no, it's I even though no poo fun. actually occurs in your your first pick. No, I said my number one that I haven't told you yet. Right, right. But in your third, I'm sorry, in your third, in your number three, there's no actual appearance of. Well, your imagination is right. a reference to it. Right, it's, it's, it's poop as imaginary motivator. Tom, poos are banana-shaped if you do everything right. So, in a dingus's choice, is a double entente. Speaking of double, what's your number two pick, Kelly Wand? Wait, what was your number two? Oh, yeah, the help. Caddyshack. Caddyshack. Or the help, one of those two. You can switch them around if you like. My number two is Back to the Future because it was interesting. Oh, right, you mentioned that. I actually could see that coming. So to speak. It was interesting because it just seemed like that would be um, Nietzschean. Is that the word I'm looking for? That no matter what continuum you're in, poo's going to fall on you. Are you trying to say Manichaean? Manichaean? Is it really Manichaean? I've never said that word out loud. Well, who who's it referring to? Manichi? <laughs> I always thought it was Manichi. Or Manic. <laughs> Manics. Manics. Wow, I've never known how to say that word out loud. I'm going to feel really silly if. Uh, so what? What is? I, what is the poop in I back to the future? Oh, when um, Biff drives into a truck sideways because Marty McFly's skateboarding is too powerful, so it always makes him forget the poo's ahead of him because he's like, "What skateboards?" And, and it's he, a 
He can't the turn in time. He didn't see the dump truck till after Marty McFly ride. Like, but it's, it's a, in like the second one too. What? It's a poop truck. Yeah. <laughs> carries poo around. I guess they had those in the fifties. It's weird because they have in the future too, and in uh, the old west. But that one is probably the least surprising in the three. So it's just a dump truck with trash, or it's a actual? I think like, it's cow manure, actually. No, no, it's a truck, right, Tom? You're the science fiction fan of the bunch. Uh, it is mannequin. I don't understand how poop relates to him driving into a truck. Is it a is it a truck carrying around poop? Yes. You didn't see Back to the Future? You don't remember this Yes, I did, but I don't remember the poop truck. Is it, uh, it, but you think it's a cow poop truck? Yeah. Then why weren't you more vociferous? I what? wasn't. You, mis- you, inter- you misinterpreted that. I was never anti-horse manure. I never disqualified horse manure. Right. I was just trying to like wrap my brain around um, whether the best poop joke was true of all your top all your choices so far. Right. And I settled that in my mind. I apologize for this topic. It's been a nightmare. So, Tom, what's your number one favorite poop of all time? Maniche. (laughs) Look at how long he had to hang on to it. While I prattle. Maniche. He was hanging on to that one a long time before he let it go. Maniche. That's Tom's number one. I thought his best one would My number one is the only good one uh, that I've got. Let's see. Oh, yes, can I want? So you were right. Uh, Manichaeism. Yeah, this idea of duality is uh, Manichaeism. It's a a Persian word, I think. I don't think they'd invented the soft CH yet. I could be wrong. I pronounce it poison. My number one pick, this is an actual good pick. Uh, it's from a movie I don't think Kelly Wand has seen called The Hunger. It's um, not called The Hunger. And this oh, is my oh, number shoot, one, too. Shoot. It's just Hunger. Yeah, Hunger. Sorry. Uh, or it's a, yeah. Some You could call it The Hunger if you wanted. Uh, but then so not the Bowie one. You're not, yeah, it's not the Tony Scott. Whitley Stryber. Uh, what? Whitley Stryber? He wrote the book. The Shall Hunger? Yeah. With that Tony Scott thing? With the, mm-hmm. No, with uh, the novel Susan Sarandon and uh, yeah. Catherine Deneuve? Yep. That's based on a Whitley Stryber thing. Yeah, he wrote that and Wolfen. God, I knew about Wolfen and Communion. Oh, God, I can't stand that guy. It's so annoying. I want to see. I didn't see. I never saw Communion, and I didn't read the book. Communion is actually worth seeing just because Christopher Walken really commits. Did they shove something up his ass in that movie? Um, yeah, there's the whole probe scene. Yeah. Why haven't I seen it then? It just sounds interesting. You should see it. It's uh, it's um, it's creepy aliens, or you learn communion. No, it's creepy. Sound like it's too peaceful to me. No, no, communion is totally sense. creepy. It's no fire in the sky, but communion is ah, uh, fire in the sky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my number one is hunger, and uh, I'll let Dingus explain more about it if he wants, because I uh, it's it's the actual use of feces, um, and it's uh, used in this oddly. Poignant. Go for, so far as to say artistic way. So, Dingus, why did you pick the hunger? Uh, Poignant. Hung- <laughs> uh, the reason I picked, uh, picked hunger it's it's uh, based on the uh, on the no the no wash protest um, uh, that the IRA or the provisional IRA um, actually it's, I, it was the IRA hunger strike and the and the no wash protest um, and it was it was two. This particular, mo- I mean, the hun- I mean, not the no hunger. Um, it's a Steve McQueen movie. Steve McQueen of Twelve Years a Slave and uh, Shame. Um, 
it's this whole opening sequence, and we've we Tom and I have talked about Hunger many times in this podcast. But what's wonderful about Hunger is that it's got this great three act structure that's not like a normal film's three act structure. Because the middle part is just this great, almost one act play between Michael Fassbender and this priest. It's really wonderful. Uh, but the first part is is a setup for the movie and then this extended sequence of the no wash protest where these two prisoners who are in a cell together uh get to know each other and and one of the things that that they're doing is um is literally collecting their feces and smearing them all over the walls cuz the protest is they're not going to wash they're not going to shave they're not going to eat they're not going to do any of those things and they they smear feces all over the walls but it's not randomly done. It's not just like monkeys throwing poo. It's them putting the feces on the wall and then making artistic designs out of them. Cause, you know, Tom sort of made a reference to that just a minute ago. And there's these beautiful like swirling things that happen and they make this, they, they coat their cells in it. And the, and the two of the, the, the and these two cellmates, uh, become bonded in doing this, obviously, cause they're stuck together and they, they decide to both engage in this activity of, of coating their cells with, with feces. And there's this moment where, where the prisoners are dragged from their cells forcibly. And, and these guys in these sort of hazmat suits come in and, and have to power wash the cells down. And you see like them doing that on, on the, on the feces on the wall. And it's just, it's alternately disgusting and beautiful it's it's such an incredible movie and hunger is such an amazing experience and so well this this topic is is utterly ridiculous in the way we've treated it so far hunger is such a beautiful movie and seeing what humans do in such i don't know what you would say tom but deprivation or 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 horrible horrible circumstances is an it's just an incredible it's an incredible a portrait of humanity, and if you'll excuse the word portrait, when I just talked about art being cre- <laughs> created by created by feces. So there you go. I don't know if you have anything else to add to that, Tom. Well, yeah, no, it's it's exactly that. It's uh, these men. You know, their only form of protest in prison is to just say, "Well, we're not going to let you. We're not going to take showers." Um, it, it evolves into a hunger protest, um, and they are deprived of clothing, of any kind of furniture. I don't, I don't think they have blankets. They're just they're just naked men, and the only tool they have is their feces, uh, and they use it to basically paint the, the cover the walls. Um, and uh, yeah, it's completely degrading, but oddly ennobling in this particular situation in terms of how they use it. Uh, all right, Kelly Wand, what is your number one pick? My number one's uh, Predator when Arnie smeared himself with it to hide his body temperature. All right, good one. Okay, that's, that's not what happened. Yeah, very good, Kelly Wand. Uh, and then Dingus's number one pick is Hunger. All right, uh, Kelly I thought for sure, Kelly, that you were going to pick the Death Star because all those uh, stormtroopers had to go to the bathroom somewhere. Oh, that'd be dumb. <laughs> Good point. I went with something much more intelligent than that. Yeah, mud. Nice. Mud. Uh, what do the uh, listeners have to say? Paul Weimer writes, hello, Tom and Dingus. But Kelly, you know nothing, Kelly Wand. Okay, you do know how to do the toilet humor in your 3x3 three three topics. But see, you guys proved the lie to that with your... Good number one. And Dingus is good number three. Number three. <laughs> to get this one out of the way, I can't believe I ever watched this film or admit to doing so. Alcohol was involved in pink flamingos. Divine proves. Did you ever see that, Tom? 
She uh, I, I know about the scene. I don't think I've ever seen it. Uh, to me, it's grosser because it's hot dog shit. Like, the dog shits it out. And then I think there, a house burns, and he just holds on that for ten minutes. Is that the same movie? I have not seen Pink, Pink Flamingos. Number two in Back to the Future... Biff Tannen winds up in a Roadrunner Wiley Coyote style chase of Marty McFly getting a pile of manure dumped on him and his friends in his beautiful super deluxe. Dumped. Dingus. Because I guess it's a dump truck, I think. Alright, uh, good. Good. Uh, I thought of this one. Number one in Jurassic Park, the giant pile of dino droppings that Dr. Sadler investigates to the point of sticking her arm up to the shoulder into it. Helps oh, step. She's a scientist. There's to... a cell phone in there, isn't there? No. Oh. That's oh. why it's sick? That was my original number three, and yes. then the quote would have been, that is one big pile of shit. I thought there's one where somebody has to reach into a dino poo and pull out a cell phone. No? See, if Spielberg had made you on, it would have been... Oh, that was Tammy and the T-Rex, but it was a regular phone. And Is that true, Dinkus? No. No. Tom, they found a new dinosaur this week. I know, the Colossosaurus or the Dreadnotosaurus. Yeah. See? Come on. When you found out dinosaurs were real when you were a kid, didn't it, it seem like anything was possible? Like, okay, Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> they found Santa Claus this week, but he's huge. <laughs> they found the fossils. Bigfoot. All right, so Jurassic Park. Do you know there's a Bobcat Goldthwait Bigfoot movie? <laughs> what? Everything I've just said is true. Just, for me, this is when everything is possible. Yep, exactly. Bobcat Goldthwait, I think it's coming out here soon, has done a Bigfoot movie. Oh, Bigfoot movie. Yeah, like Bigfoot, I, th- I presume he's stalking, murdering kids or whatever Bigfoot does in a horror movie. But Wait, it's a horror movie? Or it's a rom-com? Mm, I'm pretty sure it's a straight-up horror movie that Bobcat Goldthwait has done about Bigfoot's Bigfoot. not scary. Six Million Dollar Man Bigfoot wasn't even scary. Well, yeah, that's... But he was a robot. Uh, there have been a couple horror movies recently about Bigfoot. I think time-traveling robot, I believe. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. Bigfoot what was, was that six million dollar Hendersons? Where he what? fights a uh it's like a little UFO that drives oh, that around was, the ground. Yeah, that dude kinda of freaked me out actually. What was that thing? He was just called the killer, the the probe. Was it just called the probe? Is it an alien thing or the government made it? Where'd it come from? No, it seemed really tough, but then the, It was his greatest battle, wasn't it? Steve Austin had he killed seven million dollar man. Do you remember that one? I mean, the guy was like really obnoxious. Like, Are you serious? There's a seven million dollar man. <laughs> so one million dollars for sarcasm. Yeah, and then Steve Austin has to kick his ass with a million dollars less bionics inside him. But he has he has high. That's a good show. We should, I'm surprised I, we didn't remake it. I do not believe you for a second. Yeah, what? Six million dollar man was epic. They Did tried to do it. There was a uh, maybe five six years ago. Wasn't there an attempt at a bionic woman? Show? With Starbuck. Yeah, oh, you're right. Yeah. They did the same thing as they did with Charlie's Angels remake. Um, they let McGee make a kick-ass movie? No, no, the TV show Charlie's Angels that Jacqueline Smith said sucked ass. There was a TV show Charlie's Angels? Not the original one, I mean. Yeah, but they went with – they just went with three models who couldn't really do anything. Because the original Charlie's Angels – You're like, right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. And they made Bosley like a cute young hacker. Like they, they WB'd it uh. instead of – and they're all like wearing white jumpsuits or something. Yeah. It was She Spies, but without jokes. Huh. Okay. <laughs> you make the, the best way tag I, life. <laughs> the way Honeymoon's old Greg, but is a rom com. 
Do you know what old Greg is? Yeah, what's old Greg? Oh, God. Arthur Jovan and Jelly writes, I don't know, Kelly, compared to your last few 3x3s, this one's pretty crappy. <laughs> to be fair, however, this is also the shittiest list I've ever submitted. Oh, well, no use holding it in any long time to purge myself of this topic. Number three, Schenectady, New York. Uh, remember that? There's a scene in this movie where Philip Seymour Hoffman examines his stool because he thinks there's blood in it. Uh, Tom, I don't remember that, do you? Yes. <laughs> Oh, sorry. When he explains this to his wife, Catherine Keener, she doesn't understand to which stool she's referring. So he has a peculiar fascination with Hoffman's bowel movements. It's probably some sort of metaphor, but I'm not going to pretend to understand it. I love the way Tom said the word yes just then. It was so painful. (laughs) Oh, you don't like that movie, huh, Tom? Uh, I don't uh, pretend to understand it, and uh, the early parts, like that scene that Arthur just mentioned, are just so... Oppressively ponderous. Um, I love that movie, but yeah. I saw it right after Let the Right One In, so I was kind of like tranced out when I went into it. Right. But I still think it's a masterpiece, and Charlie Kaufman's a genius. He's our glazer. He's the American glazer. I would not necessarily disagree with that, but I, I just don't get uh, Synecdoche New York. And he got it, that shit made. That movie got made, and Phil, I don't know. It's good times. Number two, Jurassic Park. Laura Dern wants to discover whether there's certain plants ailing, a triceratops. See, I thought that was a multiple choice at first. And to this end, she insists on examining the dinosaur's droppings. I love Jeff Goldblum's line, now that is one big pile of shit, and how this peaceful interaction with the dinosaur lowers your guard before the terrifying T-Rex breaks out. Breakout? There's only one. King Kong has three. Number one, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Kevin Costner enhances his disguise as a beggar by rubbing his cloak with horse feces. I don't remember that either. I can, there's so much poo I've forgotten, Tom. Led such healthy lives. You've the forgotten tri- more poo than you've rendered. The Stand By Me is only barf, huh? The trick works in the city guard lets him pass. I actually think this is the one scene where Costner does some sort of English accent, which is also part of his disguise. Even though this movie is the Russell Crowe version. That is literally like comparing dog shit to human, which is closer to a Magna Carta movie than a Robin Hood one. Magna Carta movie, Tom. You hear that? I do, yes. It's Ridley Scott's next movie. It's got catapults in it. Anti-runner-up kick-ass too. Glowy Maurice Koritz hits some girls with a sick stick, sick stick, which makes them vomit out of both ends. I remember th- I, that's one of the only scene in that movie I've seen, and uh, I thought it looked too CG that vomit. Um, yep, it's true. CG's not funny, um, except in Sharknado. Uh, I picked the scene because I hate it, even though Moretz is great, and she makes this movie much better than I feared it would be. It's all about her, isn't it? Isn't it? Dude, in uh, Kick-Ass 2, t- did you see that movie, Tom? I did. There was something I was gonna, it, it's like another movie where she's the picked-on misfit at school, like in Carrie. So now that's her thing. <laughs> is that something she's um, No, she was like the one who's, she has to, press him into service to go back to being a superhero, if I recall correctly. Right, but at high school, she's having trouble fitting in, and that's why she uses the six stick on the other girls. Right, right. they're like the that's popular true. girls. Right, right, and they won't let her in. So they have tele- it's like telekinesis or six sticks. She uses CG to kill her high school yeah. mates. 
I picked this scene because I hate it, even though Moritz is great and she makes. Okay. P.S. Kelly, please make sure you get a sample of Z-Bone's reaction to Tom's destiny thoughts. Uh, I assume he's talking about Destiny's a video game um, that I'm quite enjoying. I don't know. Z-Bone shouldn't be offended at that. I don't know. Maybe I'm not enjoying it enough. We'll find out. You'll find out on the Destiny thread, Tom. Awesome. Wolfgang Schuster writes... Jurassic Park, when Sadler's two elbows deep in what Dr. Malcolm refers to as a big pile of shit. Number two, me, you, and everyone we know. Is that a gangster movie? When Robbie Swirsty discusses his desire to poop back and forth forever. There's some artwork. Tom, have you seen that movie? Me and you and everyone we know. I don't think so. Is that with John Hawks? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think so. Number one, Dumb and Dumber, when Harry's stuck in the bathroom with the broken toilet. While Pooh is never seen or mentioned, I think the situation's a fear that everyone has when first dating, or maybe it's just me. Well, it's because Jim Carrey uh, poisoned him with um, laxative. Right, Tom? Comically. Dumb and Dumber, Uh, you haven't seen? uh, I don't remember that particular scene. Juwan. Oh, you got to watch the sequel when you're done with Juon 1. Well, I've heard you should just skip the 2000 Juon and just go straight to the 2003 Juon 2, The Grudge. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. Jamie Cabrera writes, Hello, all. Here are my top three uses of poo. I'm getting too old for this shit. Like <laughs> Weapon 2. This doesn't have poo in it. It has as much poo as there is in Dingus's number three pick, Short Term 12. <sighs> People talk about it. You can take that from him, Dingus. Yep. Lethal Weapon 2. Murtog finds out that he's sitting on a bomb when using the commode. Nicely punctuated when the toilet blows out the window and lands outside. Poo free. By the way, there was another... Did you ever see Black Knight with Martin Lawrence? Afraid not, no. There's a part where he's supposed to like be repulsed by how disgusting like the privy is in the medieval castle. But since it's a PG-13 movie, it's just like this... Like wooden slab with like nothing on it, like mm-hmm. slightly smudged. Mm-hmm. Really puts things in perspective. Number two, why do my eyes hurt? You've never used them before. <laughs> the Matrix. What? When Neo's woken up, he's flushed out of his pod and ends up in the sewers. Does that happen in the Matrix? I don't think they're sewers. <laughs> no sewers. <laughs> When Neo is woken up, he's flushed out of his pod and ends up in the sewers. It's the only way they have of saving people that are plugged in. Oh, yeah, I kind of do remember that. And then the thing picks him up. But they're not sewers. They're just like body disposal tanks. But that's the poo stream he's in, isn't it? Is it? Okay, maybe. I don't like poo where it doesn't look anything like poo. That's why I'm curious about this help scene you describe. Like, is it a... Chocolate pie, even. Number one, manure. I hate manure. Back to Future 1, 2, and 3. This one gets my number one spot because it's a gag that spans three movies and two different generations of Biffs. One can only imagine that all the generations between Mad Dog and 1950s Biff all had bad experiences with manure as well. Uh, Runners up. Dino droppings. Jurassic Park. Shit happens. Forrest Gump. That's Predator shit on his face, I believe. Uh, head and Shoulders Anima Evolution. David Duchovny discovers that Head and Shoulders shampoo contains an element that's toxic to the invading aliens. They fill a fire truck with Head and Shoulders, and Orlando Jones goes Head and Shoulders into the rectum of the alien to fill it with shampoo. Tom, remember that 
I do. I, I, yeah, that that was. Yeah. It's like Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, but science. So it's mm. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Chris Markardson writes. Markardson. Chris Markardson. See, I said his name right, and then I forget which time was the right one. Chris Markardson. Chris Markardson. Hey guys, I'm guessing you're not really wanting graphic details of the texture, color, and how solid the poon question is. So I'll try and refrain from getting too graphic. That being said, it's time to push out these three favorite foos. See, Tom, our listeners. They love the puns. Now, my number three pick has a very attractive Mila Kunis who is very unimpressed with a poo on her hardwood floor, apparently pooped by a hooker in the movie Ted. I didn't see that part. Does that happen? You didn't tell me that happened, Tom. I don't remember that. With the nostalgia pick for number two, the poo really does hit the fan when Rex Kramer hears that Ted Stryker's forgotten to check the oil pressure in an airplane. I really like that one because it looks like real poo. Huh, Dingus? Yeah, that's actually a pretty good choice. Number one, central services workers, Bob Hoskins, and uh, that's a good one. Derek O'Connor each get a suit full of liquid poo in Brazil. Thanks for the weekly dose of fun, guys. Is that a poo joke? See, Tom, the poo killed them, too, in uh, Brazil. Well, we don't, know. Die. we don't know that for sure. That's got to be fatal. They don't. You do get the thing, doesn't the suit like uh, fill up and then explode, and you see yeah. poo on the window? So it probably just popped the suit, and they're fine. Oh, they blew up, too. Gross. Anything to, in, strong enough to make poo blow up glass has to be enough to like suffocate you. I don't think it blows up glass. It just blows up whatever plastic suits they were wearing, I think. Look, I crunched the numbers, all right? Okay. David Henderson writes, Hey guys, I'm back to make sure your podcast has some contributions from people with unremarkable names. David Henderson. <laughs> well done, David. Well done. He's being the maverick. When I first saw Davy Gillen, played by Brian Milligan, enter his cell in Hunger, I noticed that the walls were brown, but thought it was just a dilapidated prison cell. Later on, there's a scene with Milligan and his cellmate spreading their feces on the walls, and then I understood the full extent of the IRAs. No wash protest in this historical drama since 1981. Uh, Jeffrey Rush does that in Quills, too, after he can't use blood anymore. Doesn't he? He uses poo to write his, uh, his porn at the end. I think that's his last... Okay. Uh, this is by far my favorite appearance of human excrement in a movie, so I would like to only enter one submission to this 3x3. Hunger. Amazing movie. I would like to thank Tom for discussing it in an earlier episode as a triptych, a concept I was unfamiliar with. You three run the best podcast on the internet, David Henderson. Awesome. Aaron Vaughn writes, Dear quarter to three, three by three, here are my choices for three best poo. Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. Ah... I think I'm partial to that movie, Tom, even though I know it's the the bad Odekirk instead of Bob Odenkirk. Well, the very title. Yeah, the title. The very title implies, you know, there's going to be poo. It's like Monopoly Africa, though. It's like a 1950s. <laughs> there's going to be poo. The original title, too, there will when be. Nature poo. Calls. But see, he's an animal doctor. <clears throat> when Jim Carrey's eating the fruit paste and Ian McNeese tells him the bowl's made from guano, which is another name for bat droppings. Jim Carrey doesn't take this news well as most of the dining ware from the tribe is made from guano, but the poo also serves to later crack the case of who done it at the end of the movie. The culprit had scuffed their hand by slipping in guano, remember? From the great white bat, the tribe was missing. Hey, Tom. Sir. This is me, Kelly, asking yes. this. Yes. Every movie I can think of with bats yes. has a subplot about their guano. Um, 
Batman. Nightwing, Batman, Bat- yeah. Batman Rising, Dracula. Wait, what's the subplot in Dark Knight Rises about Batguano? Um, it keeps the cops alive, and the uh, the Joker lowers it on the ropes to keep the cops alive so they don't get cold. Oh, I didn't see that scene. Hungry. After he blow he blows them into the sewer, and then he feeds them Batguano. As a reminder of the vigilant, like the failure of their vigilante. Hmm. Dingus, you had a question, follow-up question. Yeah, I just did nothing. Aaron Vaughn's number two is Dumb and Dumber, the part where Jeff Daniels goes to the bathroom, takes a rain check on his date with Lauren Hawley. Takes a rain check on his date. Okay. So you see, when you're thinking about poo, Tom, like everything's a poo joke. Okay, sure. In sheep's clothing. We never see the poo, but his performance assures us that it's happening. <laughs> his performance. Number one, short term 12. This choice doesn't involve poo actually being in the scene, but the opening of this movie has a great story about John Gallagher Jr. having to choose between fighting a hulking kid or shitting himself on a public bus. It's a great telling but not showing moment that's so well delivered. I can practically feel it running down my leg. Runners up, Jurassic Park 3... Oh, wait, Dress Part 3, when Sam Neill, William Ace, and Tia Leone dig through piles of dino poo to find a satellite phone. Thank you. Hey, Tom. See? See? You were thinking of the Jurassic Park 3 movie. So he corrected Tom and backed up Dingus's... Wait, who who directed that? Joe Joe Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, all right. I'm kind of bummed Spielberg is not doing. I loved, I really liked Jurassic Park 3. It was such a relief. Uh, I don't like that one. You like that one? After no, number two, I like the second one more. Uh, no, Lost, the second one's Lost the World second... is a pile of crap. Um, okay, it's the only one that doesn't have a pile of crap. And two, um, exactly. Exactly. there's some really dumb shit in it, and there's a lot of kids in gymnastics. I'll grant you, but there's a huge body count on it. Like the dinosaurs yeah. kill everybody. Let's really put Jim cool. Cotta into a Jurassic Park movie. Excellent idea, guys. It's just a lot of death in it. But the third one, the third act is a pterodactyl, which, I don't know, it sounds exciting. Pteranodon. Did you know Chris Pratt's the Jurassic World protagonist? I did. Gretchen Grasshoff writes, Gross, Kelly, but I wouldn't expect anything less from you. They always turn on me. I'm probably the last submission, which means you'll be skimming emails exhausted from all the poop talk. I'll keep it short. Number three, Caddyshack, the classic candy bar in the pool scene. Number two, Cheap Thrills. Oh, yeah. You told me to see this, too, didn't you, Tom? I did. Good good for Gretchen for seeing it, yeah. Oh, man, this movie, Pat Healy beat out his friend to shit in the neighbor's house, but for how much? $2,200? Number one, Headhunters. Oh, excellent. Finally, someone saw Headhunters. It wasn't one of you jokers. Dinkus didn't see Headhunters? Nope. Can't be bothered. Uh, All right, I'll watch it this week. I'm starting to feel dumb about this one. Roger Brown's being hunted by Jamie Lannister and is forced to submerge himself in the depths of an outhouse for safety, like the rich man's slum dog scene. Kelly, see this movie already. Runners <laughs> up, Jurassic Park. Trans- I was thinking more like the Schindler's List scene. Yeah. Or um, uh, slum dog. Uh, I didn't. I didn't see the poo part of slum dog. That's the beginning when he has to hide in the outhouse. Oh. Uh, Right. Kingpin? What about Kingpin? You have to hide in outhouse in Kingpin? No, that's Gretchen's runner-up. Oh. I was trying to remember the poo from Kingpin. 
She just names the movie, and then you have to figure out when. Well, Train Spotting, I remember Jurassic Park. I don't remember the Pen and Kingpin. Okay. Kingpin. I never saw Kingpin, so I can't help you. Uh, no, no bridesmaids references. I'm very disappointed. Yeah, I'm surprised at that. You don't and see Tom, it. I'm surprised that you didn't bring up Change Up. It's the poo and the Change Up. She's just got to go easy on the Thai food. No, no, I thought isn't that don't the don't the kids like poop in his face? Well, that's just a dumb diaper-changing joke. Yeah, but they actually poop in his face. I'm not going to pick that. You Maybe pick it. almost throw <laughs> up. No, I'm not going to pick it. I'm just surprised you didn't because you're so lurving change-up. Uh, there's a movie called The Madness of King George where they're ah. constantly looking at the king's stool to evaluate his health. And uh, I remembered that. Oh, by the way, we're we done with... So it's like the opposite of phrenology. <laughs> well, you could put it that way. Fascinating wand. Uh, were there other listener submissions? Did I, did uh, I that was off? it. Okay. Uh, the only other runner-up I have was because I just watched Shawshank for uh, for the last uh, for the paperwork one that we did. Um, there's that that whole thing where where Andy Dufresne crawls through 500 yards of shit basically to get to freedom. So does Matthew Broderick in Lady Hawk, doesn't he? Okay. <laughs> I uh, saw uh, my runner-up was uh, RV with Robin Williams because I it was on and it was like he, they go to the desert and he's married to Larry David's wife from Curb Your Enthusiasm and for some reason he has to like hold the pipe all well, this because his trailer's full of poo and then it's like since it's the kind of movie where you know it's going to end with him getting poo on him you're just like how long is the setup going to be before that happens and it just goes on forever oh my fuck god it's like twenty minutes. So that's why it didn't make the list. It's just yeah. a runner-up, right? Yeah. But it still had like a lot of poo on it, like right. as poo goes. It's Cheryl Hines. She's awesome. Cheryl Hines, yeah. So, yeah. Um, All right, there we go. RV, not on my list. Another yeah. successful 3x3. Three three. Thank you, Kelly Wand. I'm pretty consistent. Next week's 3x3. Three three <laughs> or regular. Is... Uh, Terrible things that happen in motel or hotel rooms. Ah, oh, see, that's even wider than poo. Nothing good ever happens in motel rooms in movies. Wait, a lot does. Uh, what about that? Uh, what's the thing where the dude pays Robert Redford pays a million dollars to have sex with Demi Moore? Isn't that in a hotel? Room? To see it. Want, but that's a, that's a good thing that happens in a hotel room. I'd be okay with that. Not for her. I thought she falls in love with him. I haven't seen that. No, she thinks he's dumb. No. Oh. Just no, just, Woody Harrelson gets super dumb about it, and then she just goes, all right, I guess I will go with Rob Redford, because of the two. Oh, so they end up together. Yeah, but then Woody Harrelson comes back in the rain and goes, we're immortal, and then she goes back to him on the beach or something. Oh, so she gets, but it, 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 anyway, it's something that happens in a hotel room, and it's not terrible. No, he takes her in a helicopter to his boat. They're not in a hotel room. Oh, Okay. Wait, you thought he'd pay a million dollars, but then he would just get a hotel. He'd skip on the actual locale. You thought he's I wasn't stupid. Yeah. But he only has twenty bucks left because he just blew a million on getting Demi Moore. <laughs> I definitely so he only was has enough for Murphy bed. That's what I oh, thought would happen. happen. Yeah. Well, that does what I, that is what <laughs> a little ahead of uh, is that Adrian Lynn? Ugh. Probably. Yeah. That's his follow-up to Jacob's Ladder, Tom. Well, what I want from you guys are terrible things that happen. Terrible. Hotel or motel rooms. Terrible. The worst you can think of. Terrible oh. things. So uh, pick Nothing those. Nothing good. 
if you uh, if the <laughs> listeners have some ideas for this, something very bad. Yeah, very bad is also okay. Terrible. Uh, Hotel and motel. You don't need to worry about the yeah the the divide between if it's a motel or a hotel. We'll accept either. Uh, no bed and breakfasts, however. I will not abide any Airbnb or bed and breakfast nonsense. Just what about an airplane? Hotels. That's like a flying hotel. What a- it is not. It is not the least bit. There, in no way, shape, or form, is an airplane like a flying hotel. What about prisons? Hey, also, Kelly, Kelly, you should you should ask Tom about cruise ships. Yes, Kelly, did you have a question? What about cruises? Cruise ships are allowed. <laughs> no cruise ships. They're like floating hotels and casinos. We've right? had we've had terrible things happen in cruise ships in real life. Floatels. Movies for that. Oh, very good. I guess they should. Uh, we've had terrible things happen in real life. In cruise ships, they run aground. People get sick. They get the junta virus or whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think if you run aground, though, it's no longer happening on the cruise ship. Like now, it's just a land. Well, you got you got to get off. Like speed too. Yeah. You got to get off it. Uh, the, a lot of people. A lot of people did not get off the coast of Concordia. In Wally, that's is that a hotel? <laughs> nope, that's a spaceship. That's a cruise ship. Spaceship. They never want to get off a spaceship. And that's not a terrible thing necessarily. They're all having fun. Spaceships aren't necessarily terrible. So anyway, all their phones disappear. No big. They problem. are having fun. I want hotels and motels, terrible things that happen in a hotel or motel room. Uh, I'm sure you can think of lots of examples. Give us your worst. Send them to 3 by 3 at quarter2three.com. That's the number 3, the letter X, the number 3. Put the little at sign and write out quarter2three.com. We will read your picks on the air. Uh, Now, actually, at this point of the podcast, I haven't chosen – none of us has chosen what we're going to see – Next week, but I presume it's the Adam Wingard movie, yeah? Yeah, I think so. What's, which one's that called? Well, so there are two horror movies opening next week. One called Tusk by Kevin Smith, another called The Guest by Adam Wingard. Um, they're both smaller releases. We would like to see one of them, but we haven't decided yet which one. So let's just vote. Kelly Wan, what's your vote? Mm, which one's closer? Which one do I not have to drive to Century City this way? Can't help you there. No. What? Will they both be city or neither? Uh, we don't know any of this, so yeah. So okay, so Kelly Wan, you what can abstain. The listeners decide. You can abstain. Dingus, what's your vote? My vote is guest. All right, my vote is the guest as well. So okay, then I'm going to vote Tusk. Oh, awesome! So it, that was a noble attempt, Kelly Wan, but unfortunately, we're seeing the guest next week. So uh, check that out and uh, join us for the podcast, and we'll also be talking about terrible things that happen in hotel rooms. Maybe the guest will have some of that. Ah. We'll we'll see. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I have been joined this week. I appreciate you listening by Christian Moloski. Man, you get closer every time. It's Christian Moloski. Oh, I see now. Okay. Next time I'll get it. Uh, And Kelly Wand. Does Bushwood Country Club and Caddyshack count as a hotel? Uh, That's a serious question, guys. Come on. Just play music.
Fuck you, Indian food. Huh. You make me the happiest.